Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with, oh yeah. You made it with, you made it with, yes you did. You made it with, you made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening weirdos? Uh, sorry that I missed you guys last week. I was, I don't know, <laughs> getting married. Yay! Yay! Oh, okay. Yay! Thank you, Brody. <laughs> Brody said congratulations. Well, it's a little overdue. Uh, yeah, we got married and then we were we were on our honeymoon and it was Wednesday and we had episodes recorded, but there's just something wrong about it. <laughs> I didn't want to do an intro while we were supposed to be re- recharging and relaxing, which we did, and we feel... Real good, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, I'm i so happy. We'll, I'll post some photos uh, on Instagram. There's some on Val's already. What is your v- Instagram? V, v for Vagilante? No, that's my Twitter. Oh, that's your nice Twitter. Yep. It's Valerie and Chaney. Valerie and Chaney. If you want to see some photos, there's some on there. Uh, let's see. Yeah. We have some Largo shows coming up if you're, if you're here in Los Angeles. Um, this Thursday, if you're hearing this the day it comes out, November 9th, I'm going to be at Largo live workshopping my book about God and church and it's comedy. It's funny. I will be there. I won't just be reading at you. We're going to talk. We're going to take questions. I'm going to perform the book, have some fun, have some laughs, and uh, obviously get some feedback. That would be awesome because I've been working on this book for years about my uh, life in the church leading to Joseph Campbell, Rob Bell, and then Ram Dass. Uh, funny essays, humorous stuff, and hopefully interesting stuff as well. If you want to come, that is on Thursday. Tickets are at Largo-LA.com. And then I'm going to be doing a straight stand-up show on December 6th, also at Largo. Um, this episode is Gilbert Gottfried, uh, who has a, um, a, a wonderful new documentary out. Why am I forgetting the name of the documentary? Gilbert Gottfried documentary. Pretty sure it's called Gilbert. Yeah, it's called Gilbert. It's going to be in theaters in New York City November 3rd, which means it already is. Uh, check it out. There's the trailer on YouTube. It's an amazing movie. I hadn't seen it when this uh, conversation came out, but Judd Apatow, who is our uh, guest co-host for this episode, had seen it, loved Gilbert, came along with me today to do the interview. And as I always say, let's get to it as quickly as possible. Our sponsor is almost as always is our dear friends at Squarespace. Squarespace is if you need to make a website. They make it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique one. You can showcase your work, blog, or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything from the look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers, and there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. So... Head to squarespace.com for your free trial. Use offer code WEIRD to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support of this podcast. And as always, there's the Pete's Picks. I just took some Alpha Brain because I was feeling a little tired and I had to do an interview today. Boom! Worked perfectly, was articulate, thoughtful, had memory, concentration. Alpha Brain is a nootropic. It's like fish food for your brain. It's like a vitamin for your noggin, all earth-grown ingredients. It's not a stimulant like caffeine. In fact, I sometimes take it before I go to bed to give me tripped-out dreams. 
Anytime I need to use my brain, meditation, writing, stand-up, a podcast for the past three years, I've always taken Alpha Brain, two or three Alpha Brains, at least 15 minutes before I do it. And I absolutely feel the difference. It's made my life a whole lot better. And it's, it's kind of like a little secret weapon. I always have some in my pocket. And if you want to try it, go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird. You'll get 10% off your purchase of that. Or there are a couple other products on there like the MCT oil we've talked about. Load up, get into it, and enjoy. The other Pete's Pick, another product that I use almost every day. I love it for stress, anxiety, aches, pains, headaches. Charlotte Webb Hemp Oil. This is the uh, made from the hemp plant. It's not THC. It is CBD. So that means it's not psychoactive. It doesn't get you stoned or high. It just gives me a happy, healthy, vibrant glow that I love and I've come to swear by. I always use this example, but it's true. Middle seat on an airplane, pop a little bit of the everyday advanced mint chocolate flavor, get it in you. Suddenly, laughing a little bit easier, a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more present. I love this product. The Stanley Brothers actually did an episode of this podcast where we talked about it a lot. If you're interested in the science behind it, uh, or if you just like to try it, go to cwhemp, cwhemp.com slash weird and use promo code KEEPITCRISPY for 10% off your purchase. Thank you for those sweet, sweet peach picks. Try one. And thank you again to Squarespace. Guys, Squarespace is one of our most loyal sponsors because they offer a wonderful service. I don't know what you're doing, a business design a store make it stand out with squarespace with beautiful templates created by world-class designers they make it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website your work your blog your content you can even sell products in just a few clicks everything is customizable from the look and feel to settings and products using beautiful templates created by world-class designers everything is optimized to look great on a mobile device right out of the box And you can use their analytics to grow in real time. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And there's always 24-7 customer support, award-winning customer support, whenever you need it. The future is coming. Make it brighter with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code WEIRD to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code WEIRD. Uh, that's it, guys. Try a Pete's Pick. Thank you to Squarespace. Hope to see you at Largo, especially this Thursday, November 9th, if you'd like to uh, be a part of hearing about my new book, or December 6th uh, at Largo for just a straight stand-up show. Um, so happy to share the news of the wedding with you guys. It's It's been wild. For those of you that have been listening from the beginning, uh, not that I was fresh off my divorce, but to go through all the the different iterations and singleness and loneliness, it, it feels like, a, and, and those of you that love crashing know how much I've been regurgitating the experience of getting divorced. It feels like such a lovely way to close the loop and feel that wonderful liturgical completeness. completeness. Aww, huh. that's sweet. So I'm glad to share it with you guys. I, I hope you're happy. We're very, very happy. Yeah. And, and this will be our first as a married couple, get into it. So oh my gosh. this is Gilbert Godfrey with Judd Apatow, Valerie, my wife. Should we say it together? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, you no, that to? was a stupid No, it was great. <laughs> I, I was just being funny. One, two, three. Get, get into, into it. it. <laughs> Thanks, Brody. I'm not calling Valerie Brody. Brody moved. This dinner that I'm making is going to make you want to marry me all over again. Well, it's a Joel Furman. That's right. I knew you were the right woman for me when you said I picked a recipe from the Joel Furman cookbook. That's love. We're going to make it 
We're going to make it. <laughs> Get into it, guys. Uh, Gilbert, how are you? We can start. You can put those on. Yeah, oh, we yeah. just start rolling. There's no Let's how. Are how, we how do you do it on your podcast? Do you just start or do you just uh, do, you do an intro? Oh, I do an intro. Way too long intro. <laughs> now, what do I. Oh. Are you, are you hearing yourself? Yeah. Sometimes these need to be wiggled. A little lower. Oh, okay. Which, which one are you? Uh, You're probably this one. A little lower? How's that? Is that better? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, great. I. I've never had more than one person in here because this is a very intimate podcast, so this is breaking every rule. No, except yeah. for the times I have done it with Judd. I tend to want a crowd. Yeah. Which is fine. We're throwing all the rules out for the great Gilbert Gottfried. So, so basically you're telling me you can't get any kiss. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm it honored. seems that way. When you, yeah. when, like I'll, I'll scroll through his uh, shows. And then everyone saw there's someone kind of great. And then it's like, you know, a few months. You think time, we have a lot of filler? Uh, there seems to be. <laughs> I, I want <laughs> people with potential. Ah, uh, you're but you're king potential. You love fostering new talent. Uh, no, but it doesn't. I'm reek following your lead. <laughs> reeks of you being too lazy to reach out to successful people. Ah, uh, well, we found Gilbert Godfrey, or I, I should say, your I, wife. Found I us. once got asked to do some documentary. And and when I got there, the guy says, oh, I'm so thrilled you're here because we couldn't get anybody. <laughs> 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 what was the documentary about? So yeah. That- oh, I, it's something to do with Jews. <laughs> uh, yeah, naturally. It always ties back to the Jewish people yeah. some, in some way. I've become like Theodore Bekel or something. <laughs> well, we're honored that you're here. Oh, thank uh, and you. you have a new documentary out currently. Are yes. we getting more people in here? That is, this is ridiculous. This is a director. This of the is documentary. No, this is no longer an episode of You Made It Weird. This is just a yeah. hangout. This is like a night at the opera now. <laughs> this is Neil, the director. Hi, Neil. Of the come on in. Have a seat, Neil. Neil, crack the code of who Gilbert is. Hi. How are you? I'm Pete. Hi. Nice to meet nice you. To meet you. What is the name of the documentary? Uh, it's called Gilbert. How did you come up with that? Ah, uh, well, you gotta watch the movie. Ah! <laughs> That's a big surprise at the end. It all makes sense at the end. And was this your idea, or Gilbert, or are you just a narcissist? Uh, it was my idea. It's a, it's a, it's, the story is I um, had finished my second movie about Dan Harmon. Uh-huh. You know, when you finish, like, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? You did and, Harmontown. Yeah. I found that movie, uh, because I'm a, a stand-up and I've been yeah. to some of the places you went, sure. very difficult to watch. Because, oh. like, you, no, 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 not, not the, the way you made it. Yeah. Because I find so... all of his films <laughs> very difficult to watch, yes. No, 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 that's a weird way to say it. What I mean is you captured the feel of going on the road so well mm. that yeah. as someone who's at home... Who doesn't want to feel that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, who knows what it, you reminded yeah, yeah. me of? Like, oh, you know when you go on the road. Now I'm talking to Gilbert. Uh, yes, I have to be very clear because there's yes. not... <laughs> Gilbert. Uh, but you know when you go on the road, sometimes one show isn't your first. Your first show out isn't great because you're a little bit rusty. Oh yeah. And then you got to get road strong. Sometimes I feel bad for the Thursday night people, even though that's my favorite night, because the Sunday night show might be so much better because I'm tighter. Do you feel that way? Ah, uh, it, it can be. It's it's. I I hate being on the road anyway. It's, it's like, miserable sometimes, right? And and I'm always there. I'm backstage, and it's shown in the documentary in my documentary too. It's like depressing. <laughs> <laughs> There's no two ways about it. That was, it's not you're a grown like, man eating chicken fingers. Yeah, it's not Frank Sinatra. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a great sequence in the documentary. The, the road sequence, it really captures the loneliness yeah. and the lameness of 
being in that hotel, waiting for your show. That, that was a big eye-opener, because I had never... I'd done it for Harmontown, but we were on a yeah. rock star tour bus, and it was a month, and, you know, not a big deal. But this one, the first show we went to was Tampa, and I was like, oh, my God, this is lonely. This is sad. Like, it's yeah. a little depressed. You're, th- you're flung out there by yourself, and you hang out with strangers all day, and... and Club managers, which are the very strange breed yep, of people, yep. and that was a big eye opener. I was like, "This is what this is what you really like." And he's like, "Yeah." And that's why you did the Dangerfield line about walking back through the greasy floors and like. Yeah. I don't know the Dangerfield line. Oh, he uh, Dangerfield had this line. He said, "No matter how big you get in the business, you got to enter through the kitchen." That's so funny. <laughs> I, I know that as one of your other great impressions as a Seinfeld line because in the movie Comedian. He references it, but it doesn't. He doesn't attribute it. So I've always said, when I walk through the kitchen, because to me the road is about romanticizing the things you're doing anyway. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So you're going through the kitchen, and I always go showbiz. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> I'm going through the yes. kitchen, and I get to the hotel, and I go towels. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even if it's a shitty hotel, there's still plenty of towels. Like the worst <laughs> motel I've been in, there's more towels than I need. Is that what? Were you? Bad at the road at first, and have you found a technique to deal with how sad it can be? Uh, I mean, you do it, but uh, I, I, well, first thing I do in any hotel is go in the bathroom and take as many uh, skin lotions and shampoos. <laughs> Those premium quality, yes, yeah. no brand, <laughs> it's just called lotion, but you, you know, can't get enough of that? I'm such a hoarder. <laughs> Is that real? And I'm so weird that when I'm in a hotel, like sometimes in the, in the shower, they'll be like, the, the bath gel and the conditioner and the shampoo. And if I just open up the shampoo and it's one night, in my head I'm like, are they going to throw out... All three of these? Yeah. What a waste. But you take them with you. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, I I have to assume it's not because you're hurting for shampoo cash. (laughs) 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 You got per plus money, don't you? Tell me you don't have some horrible gambling problem. It's more than than shampoo. It's... Yeah, it's it total hoarding. What is that about? Yeah. I'm sure you've done some unpacking on that. Yeah, I I never went to a psychiatrist about it. No, but yeah, <laughs> I I feel I could like if if people weren't looking out, I I could become one of those crazy people who takes shampoos and yeah, lotions. Yeah, from exactly. <laughs> What is the thinking, though? Is it like Judd the Unpleasant? Because I can relate to that. The idea that the housekeeping is going to throw away and the waste of it. Well, like, is that, that it? Or is it like this is... And then it's just free. Yeah. <laughs> Getting something... Yeah. It, it could, if there's sanitary napkins there, I'll take them. Just because of the deal? Yeah. Yeah. But have you I ever mean... used it? Have you ever been home and like... Ah, the Reno yeah. shampoo today. Oh, yeah. yes. Tell them what you do with the soaps. Oh. <laughs> the soaps. The tiny soaps. That's another yeah, Seinfeld yes. bit. I pretend my muscles are huge. What? <laughs> it's re- I pretend it's regular soap and my muscles are huge. <laughs> old Seinfeld. What, what, when, when I was moving out of my old apartment, I had like about 20 billion miniature soaps. 
even like the airlines used to have ah, and, and I said Why? to me, you would have, where did you keep them? In boxes and Marked soap? Marked yes. soap or tiny soap? Yeah, tiny soaps. <laughs> did you have another box filled with regular soap you stole uh, from uh, friends' uh, houses? Dara has, oh, yeah. has crates of them all over the house. Tiny and, soaps? Are you making a castle for mice? What are we doing and, with these? And I said to my sister, do you need any soap? Because I've got uh, more than a few. And she said, I don't want those tiny soaps. So what I did was I got all of the tiny soaps, ripped the paper off them, ran them under the hot water, and pressed with all my might. This is another Seinfeld bet. You Vulcan mind-melded them into one super batch of soap. One big one or lots of bigger ones? Uh, yeah, well, lots of bigger ones. Just yeah. orbs of soap. Yeah. It and at any point did it you wasn't go... It was enormous... It, it wasn't like 2001. Uh, <laughs> and, and all the apes were... were. <laughs> I, I did have 2001 bars, but it wasn't like the movie 2001. And at any point when you're melding these in hot water for your sister as a gift... Yes. Did you look in the mirror, the bathroom mirror at any point and just go, what am I doing? I, I do that 24 hours a day. <laughs> but so did she accept the meld of soaps? Uh, yes. <laughs> no, she didn't. It, it, she, she took the basketball of soaps and backed away from you slowly and chained the it, door. It, That's what you it, do. It sounds like you're talking about Christ. <laughs> Did she accept the <laughs> Did she accept the ball of soaps into her heart? Because that's the only way you're going to wash those sins clean. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the first big reveals. Dara said, show him your soap. And he took me in there, and he was like, here's one. And it was this like that size. It was like 10 different hotel soaps, all different colors. But we know that. The, have you seen the Bed Baths and the Beyonds? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> have you seen L'Occitane? Have you seen? <laughs> There's soap. They're so yeah. people. So you don't get pleasure from going like uh, in, the, in the shower and going, this is a premium soap. Oh, no. Which I suppose is also kind of a delusion of its but own. I, you're like, this is good soap. You're like, I, yeah, this is free I soap. I mean, the soap you pay $1,000 for is the same soap, really, that you You don't get. think, yeah, probably. But yeah, there's just better packaging. Oh, but, and another thing, I... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I... Another thing another about the thing, <laughs> We're not... I don't want you to be done on the Chinese. We're not through yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not through giving. <laughs> <laughs> this is the... You must be the saddest person to invite <laughs> to a birthday. Because they're like, I brought you lotion that's supposed to only be for <laughs> masturbating in a Ramada. That's the only purpose of that lotion and you're like put it on your mother's elbows <laughs> go on i did an episode of celebrity apprentice yes and so now i can say i've got extra good shampoo because it's good enough for the president <laughs> <laughs> i'm using the president's soaps <laughs> And shampoos. And to his hands, those bars of soap are regular yes. size. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm jerking off with his skin lotion. <laughs> Did you get kicked off of the first episode? Uh, I, pretty much. Yeah. And you have his, you think... have his, you have his son's socks. Uh, uh, Eric oh. Trump's. 
the wig. Eric Trump gave you his socks at that. I think he said. That's right. I forgot about that. He gave you socks. I I was at uh, some event, and uh, and I I think is he, is he going like this? Don't tell the sock story. I think and and I I had like the you know short socks or something weird, <laughs> or my socks, my toes were sticking through them. So I got uh, the uh, the president's son's socks. He gave them yeah, to you. Yeah. So now you're jerking off with those president's yeah. lotion into the president's son's socks. You have done something that no other human has yes. done. I mean, when I jerk off, I, I glue a picture of Natalie Portman on them. And then I... A good choice. Yes. So what is going... Uh, when did it start? Now you haven't been to a shrink. Let's let's unpack it here for the fans. <laughs> when when did when was the first time you were in a oh. hotel and you left with the with the I shampoo the and the time before very, you didn't the very first time really I was in a hotel. Yeah, you just now did you? So I guess the natural question then is: Did you grow up in a household where you didn't have shampoo, where you were running out of? <laughs> you were always going to school with dandruff and yeah. like oils. I mean, we didn't have a lot of money by any means, but we did have shampoo. And there was soap. shampoo. Yeah. yeah. But was there a climate of like? And I, you know, I'll I'll open up in my house. I got frustrated because we would run out of basics. So that I could see leading to a behavior oh, of yeah. if you see Kleenex. Them. So were you running out of basics to a point where you didn't feel safe in your house? Uh, no. 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 You I just, always... <laughs> I'm trying to give you a way out of I'm just a weirdo. And you're like, I just like soaps uh, and shampoos, baby. That's it. But what else do you hoard? Do you oh hoard mementos and other stuff? God. T-shirts. So many. Oh, T-shirts. And, and it, like free Citibank T-shirts. Oh yeah, it it used to be. You're the college kid signing up for the credit card because you get a, a shirt that says like "Check my credit." Oh yeah. <laughs> Although T-shirts, uh, it used to be you'd go to radio stations, whether you wanted it or not, yeah. they dumped this stuff on you. T-shirts, yeah. hats, cups. And that's the first thing that that disappeared when radio was in trouble. Oh, that's yeah. how you knew there was yeah. Yeah, smoke on the water. You're yeah, like, where? So, that's so not an expression. But I, now there's Netflix t-shirts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hulu's got t-shirts. <laughs> and once they go away, we know there's trouble yeah. brewing. So that's how you knew once. Hey, where's my WKRP oh, that's T-shirt? <laughs> I, didn't there used to be a, a cup koozie? <laughs> like that's how you knew. Now WKRP, <laughs> that the guy who played the boss, uh, uh, Gordon Jump. Gordon Jump, he was like, wait, what's uh, WKRP in Cincinnati? Oh, it's like a thing. I just thought I was picking. I, I can't <laughs> believe. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. You didn't know. It, it's like. He played a pedophile 
<laughs> on an episode of Different Strokes. That's right. That was yeah. a very special episode. Which is episode. the right show to play a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to be a pedophile, be one that strokes differently. <laughs> it was it was another one of those very important episodes of Different Oh, where Strokes. it doesn't even end on music yeah. or applause. It just ends. One of my favorites. Yeah, the titles mm-hmm. go up and no music. Yes, you hear them shuffling Nancy around Reagan the Reagan was on a special episode. Of, oh, yes. Uh, don't say, don't the, do drugs episode. Yes. Of different shows? Yes. yes. Oh, and he didn't get the message. My favorite special episode of Different Strokes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, was was. Uh, <laughs> I'm seeing you watching VHSs of Different Strokes on a recliner made of tiny soaps. <laughs> Bring me the President Boy's socks. This is an extra special one. <laughs> so. This was Todd Bridges mm. on this show. He he's friends with a uh, out of control white kid <laughs> who drinks a lot. Uh-huh. And and one night Todd Bridges and his out of control drinking white guy white guy friend <laughs> get into a car accident. Oh, okay. Now, I think Todd Bridges winds up with one of those classic little band-aids on the forehead. You know, a car crash. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> That's TV concussion. That's what that is. And, and then, you know, Mr. Drummond is at the hospital uh, standing next to Todd Bridges, and they ask how his friend is. And they said, oh, I'm sorry. He died in the accident. Oh. And and Todd Bridges starts crying. And and he turns to Mr. Drummond and he goes, Look at me. I'm crying like a little kid. And and Mr. Drummond goes, No, son, you're crying like a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> I also would have accepted after you told that a moment of silence where we all were like, oh, that's a valid point. You can be a man and cry. And you're like, ah! <laughs> so you didn't learn the lesson. Uh, yes, I didn't learn the lesson. <laughs> you thought it was a funny blow to the episode. You were the only person watching like, this is the funniest one yet! <laughs> Let me ask you this. And, oh, wait. oh, go ahead. Please, I thought there's more. (laughs) Absolute classic. The one no one will ever beat is after they fired John Amos from from Good Times, they wrote that, I don't know, he was killed in a car accident also. Did you see him with a Band-Aid on his head? It's not looking good. (laughs) But I think he was leaving with a white friend who was Ah, out of control. ah, An out of control (laughs) drinking white kid. So so the mother on this show, uh, what's her name? Again, the mother. Esther Rule. Esther Rule. I'm on fire with these references. Esther Rule is is playing it like nothing happened. She's being strong for the family. Uh And then she's washing a big salad bowl. (laughs) I wonder if that was in the script. Esther washing a salad bowl, looking forlorn. And and she's, she's washing the salad big salad bowl 
And she either drops it or flings it to the ground, and it shatters. Oh. And Esther yells, damn, damn, damn. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing at that and how much joy it gives you. It's both. It's both. I've never known someone... Able to access their joy, the core of their joy, so purely. <laughs> you're so damn, damn, damn. Well, T- uh, Jed, you're a huge TV file. Yes, yes. You must remember extra special episodes. I'm only thinking of sad ones that were very moving. I mean, there was yeah. like All in the Family. There was a, a series. There were a lot of series. There were a the few of those. Oh, there was that Mash episode where it was a documentary and there was no laugh. Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. The All in the Family. Remember, the All in the Family was the one where the the black woman had the baby in the elevator. And he's oh yeah, angry because yeah, and, when he and his racist heart melts because yeah. he sees yeah. the and small baby. You can't be in an elevator on TV without number one. It's stalling. Of course, <laughs> why build the set if it just uh, worked yeah. fine? <laughs> and there has to be a pregnant woman. Of on course, it. yeah. <laughs> and then there, there was the M Night Shyamalan movie where one of the people was the devil. I don't know if you watched Uh. Devil, but that's what the story was. Guess what? It was the pregnant woman. (laughs) Well, isn't there a movie called, like, Phone Booth, where the whole movie... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Phone Booth? Yeah, wasn't it Colin Farrell answers the phone? Shouldn't answer that phone? On on my podcast, I had on John, uh, the podcast... Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. Edit that out, please. Okay. <laughs> I had on John Amos. Yes. And and I got him to say damn damn damn. Yes. <laughs> and he first said damn 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 and I said Make it more black and more gravelly. <laughs> so then he said, "Damn, damn, damn!" <laughs> you gave the direction more black. Yeah, more black. More black. More All my black friends always say they get the, the note more energy. Like people yeah. keep it coded. Yes. Uh, more, yeah. more flavor. <laughs> you just went blacker. Well, talk about coded. When when they hadn't decided on me whether or not I would be an Aladdin, yeah, I think it was. Uh, this is before the internet. Now they yeah. can just give a quick Google and yeah. go, "This is not our oh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot have this man in the in the mouth of Yago." <laughs> you benefited from the nineties. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> a quick image search. <laughs> and I heard they asked Roy Disney, and his coded message was. He sounds kind of Borscht Belt. Oh, my God. At least he didn't just say, less Jewish. Where's this bird from? Didn't you get that direction on a sitcom one time? Oh, I, I was once being directed by David Steinberg. And I had to, like, do something and then run off. So I did something and I ran off. And he says to me, he goes... Uh, can you do it again and run a little faster? And, and I said, yeah, I could run faster, I guess. And he goes, no, no, not faster, but more gracefully. And I said, 
gracefully. And he goes, yeah, not as choppy, the movement. And then he, he throws his hands up in the air and he goes, can you run less Jewish? <laughs> The worst uh, direction I had to give was we had uh, <laughs> we had um, Adam West doing a sketch on the Ben Stiller show for uh, it was a sketch was called Information Four One One and it was the recreations <laughs> of people calling Four One One. I remember that sketch. <laughs> I, I love that sketch. And I think uh, William Shatner was hosting because it was Nine One One Rescue Nine One One. And so we wanted it to be a big over the top performance, and he kept doing it really subtle. And we were like, how do we get him to sound like Adam West? And I walked over to him and I said, Adam, you know, since we're making fun of Shatner, could you do it kind of like big and over the top with weird pauses like William Shatner? <laughs> <laughs> and then he sounded exactly like Adam West. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Heal the Shatner, bring out the man. What is it? Never mind. I forgot. Let me ask you this. Uh, I want to know if you went home today. To your New York apartment. Yes. And all of your tiny soaps were gone. How do you feel? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, oh, I'd be devastated. All, no, yeah. be real. They're gone, Gilbert. What I would hurt I, the most of they, everything you lost. I freed you, Aladdin yeah. style. A witch was granted. They're gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably your wife's wish. I'm not sure. It didn't make it. We shot a moment where uh, their daughter did a science experiment with these old toothpaste from like the Pan Am mm-hmm. days to see if toothpaste will last 30 years. They Wait, had, you have 30 year old toothpaste? Uh, yes. And you and, could open a museum that no one wants. <laughs> and when he found out that they were just called Kroos, they were just pouring it on poster board. He was, you're furious. Like you were actually a little angry. Right? Oh yes, <laughs> that's bad parenting. <laughs> <laughs> you were mad because you wanted to they brush your using, teeth. Yeah, they were using up my thirty. You can't brush breath. your teeth with the seventies. <laughs> We made advances. And some of the soaps that I had were from Pan Am and Eastern. Wow. Yeah, yeah, like uh, the Spruce Goose. Uh, (laughs) You had jars of urine. Yes. How... So what is the feeling though? I really I'm gonna we're gonna get some therapy in here, I swear. You walk in, they're gone, magically gone. No one else has them. They weren't wasted. Let's say fire. A fire, okay? I like that. Fire. All gone. All of it is gone. Everything else is fine. Just that room. <laughs> the soap room burned up. So- it smelled amazing. <laughs> it smelled like the guy cutting into the Irish Spring with a hint of flame. How do you feel? Do You don't feel liberated at all that it's all gone? You yeah. don't have dreams of these things falling and burying you and collapsing and stuff again? Oh, God. You know who that happened to? Who? Well, it's a more obscure name. But they were the Collier brothers, and they were two brothers. I think they were from rich parents, Mm. Uh, but they lived in New York, and they lived uptown, and they they had everything. They they had mountains of newspapers. Oh, they were hoarders. Yeah, tires, Mm. uh, bicycle parts. In the house, tires? In the house. They had their own house there. And everything. And one of them was blind. The other guy took care of them. And they rigged the newspapers. Did the blind guy know what was going on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they they would find oranges in the garbage, and he'd feed it to his brother. Is that real? That's yes. Oh, boy. yes. 
Regret my joke. <laughs> and and they would rig these mountains of newspapers, you know, in case they had someone sneak in the house to fall on them. So yeah. one day, who's the, coming in? Someone to steal the orange? Yeah, the yeah. rancid oranges. Like what? I guess so. They think this stuff is precious. There was the blind brother who I think couldn't walk either, and uh, so his brother was bringing him food. And he accidentally snapped one of those things, and he was buried. And he died. Oh, and yeah, yeah, and and the the brother just starved to death. Get out! And when they when they went in, when they uh, the fire department had to rip off the roof of the building and climb in, and you know there were these enormous rats eating uh, their brothers there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. And and they said they, a crowd formed. Uh, Was when, this story in your wedding vows? <laughs> 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 it's just such a light story. I love it. It just sets the tone. That, that, a crowd formed when the police and fire department were carrying out all this shit. And... At one point, a black cat ran by, and the crowd screamed and started running. That's how spooky wow. that place was. Yeah. So when you hear a story of that type of hoarding, how do you feel? Do you go like, well, at least I'm not that? Or do you kind of, are you, I, like Judd and I joke that sometimes you watch yeah. hoarders and you root for the hoarders. I root for the hoarders not to throw anything out. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> because I totally get what they're doing. Because oh, it makes yeah. you feel like you'll never die. Because if you have all this shit, at some point you need to use it. If you have every soap on earth, you can't die right. till you use the last soap. Oh, do you, you know, relate to that? You know what? Uh, don't do, don't avoid the breakthrough. Oh. Yes. It's not it's your com- fault. It's, <laughs> it's not your fault. How dare you reference a Harvey Weinstein? One time, I, one time I, I, I'm from another generation. In the 60s and 70s, we did things differently. Yeah, I, I, in the building I used to live, there were a lot of old people there. So what happened you know, to them? yeah, yes. <laughs> so they would throw, you know, and when you saw a bunch of shit out in the street by the garbage, uh, you knew someone was dead. Oh boy! And I remember what always hit me was like if I'd see like a package, an unopened package of Brillo pads, an unopened package of cereal or crackers. A closed soup can or an unused soap. Uh, and I would think, oh, my God, they got this with the hope that they'd live long enough mm. to use it. Mm. That's how I feel about the fact that I bought the autobiography of Elizabeth Vargas the other day. <laughs> <laughs> So funny. No, I, I think it's a funny joke, but I think you're making a fair point. When yeah. people buy books, they're not buying yeah. the book. They're buying the fantasy that they will have time to read the book. Yes. yes. That's so my when, thing. When you collect these, and I completely relate. I remember buying something on like a website. Like I think it was yeah. an iPad. And I remember hearing very clearly when I click purchase, I can't die. The iPad's coming. Yeah. So that, mm-hmm. that makes sense to me. I'm not saying this is all... Crazy See, town. I wait outside Barnes and Noble, and when someone's leaving with a book, I hit them with a baseball bat and kill them, <laughs> just for the irony. 
<laughs> you thought you were going to read that book? Yes, again. You didn't even get to the introduction. Oh, my God. The Dewey Decimal Killer. I, I think when the stuff is gone, not, not good stuff, not like uh, mementos, but like stuff like soap or books, like if I came home and a bunch of stuff was thrown out, I'd be furious uh, with my wife for like, 15 minutes, but then I don't care at all. Yeah, wouldn't it, it feel it's liberating? Getting it. It's getting it. and well, I, That's what I was uh, kind of looking for, is like, I come home and, and just the soap's gone. The shampoo and the Pan Am toothpaste is still there, yeah. but I go, uh, some of the soap is gone. There isn't a part of you... I always have the, the other fantasy, the movie Minimalists, right? Which I'm sure you haven't seen. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> the reason he became a minimalist was because his mother died, and they were packing her life up, and they were like, it took like three trucks. She wasn't a hoarder, just a regular lady, yeah. and it took three trucks, and he was like, oh, shit, that's, how, that's what a life is. It's so yes. much stuff. And he was like, I'm going to be five shirts, I'm going to be one toothbrush, I'm going to be one pair of shoes, because... I don't want to take up that much space because when his space was clear, his mind felt clear. I, you have a very, you're a wonderful comic, very creative. You're involved in all these wonderful endeavors. So clearly, that's not the case. But you don't feel a cluttered mind with a cluttered space. Do you feel oh, a creative mind it, with a cluttered uh, space? It definitely. The times when I live by myself and somebody, I get someone to help me clean it or something. And when it was clean, I go, oh. You know, this does feel kind of nice. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. What it, about it, your... What it, it, oh, it really is that that concept of free, like this free... Like there could be a check for a million dollars written out to Gilbert Gottfried and a stack of T-shirts. And I, he'll, he understands the concept of this stack of T-shirts. Right. Like we were at L.A. one time, and this is in the movie. And they gave him... There was a, nope, they, it was his birthday. And there was this big box of donuts that said, Happy Birthday, Gilbert, on them. And stress watched, washed over his face because he was <laughs> yeah. like, I need some tape. Uh, I need some packing uh, materials. Like he couldn't figure out how to yes. get these free donuts back to New York. Oh yeah, and it was really like a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Tell what, what was it like? What were what were your early birthdays like? What did you get for a birthday when you were a kid? Do you have I, any memories of that? I time? remember a watch. or Hanukkah. Am I saying that right? <laughs> like a cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. There's more than one night. But <laughs> but you know what? It reminds me of the thing with me free. It's like somebody could hire me for a job and say, you're going to get $100 million for this job. Oh, and you'll get this pack of free razors. <laughs> and I'll be going, oh, I got a pack of free razors. Uh, <laughs> There's something about the tangible, free tangible. Yeah. Money is an abstraction. <sighs> Yeah. Money, this, here's some paper, and it represents gold in a, in a vault somewhere. Yes. And it's always inflating and changing. But here's some T-shirts. You wear them. You keep them. Yes. But did you ever have a time in your life where things got so thin that you worried about your next meal or clothes on you your back? You don't understand hoarding at all. I guess I do. <laughs> you, you keep thinking it's about like being I'm actually, poor. I'm trying to bring. I'm trying to use it as an excuse to get him to open up about his childhood. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't that way growing up at all. I guess oh, I don't. The understand. hoarding is about stress. Yeah. It's like soothing yourself. It's not about like thinking you like you don't hoard because you have or don't have money. You hoard because it's calming you down in some way. Yeah. He was at Big Jay Okerson's house doing the podcast one time and he walked in and Jay goes, "You want a glass of wine?" and Gilbert said, "Yeah, yeah. Do you have a do you have a paper cup?" <laughs> yes. Goes, yeah, you like it in paper cups. So he fills up the cup and Gilbert goes, "Okay, do you have a do you have like a lid you can put on that?" <laughs> 
And he goes, yeah. yeah. He put the, he, and he goes, okay, can you just tape that up? And Jay yeah. goes, are you getting this to go? Because I'll give you the bottle. Goes, no, just the cup is fine. You I'll took t- it to go. <laughs> Did you drink it? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Don't say That's of course. Yeah. You have tubes and tubes of unused toothpaste. There's no of course. There's no reason here. I have a, I have a question because I saw the documentary. Pete's link didn't work. My link didn't work. So I, I saw it. It expired, I guess. But I am, I am fascinated. Uh, I look at you. I'm mad at you. No, I'm, I just tried to watch it. But I'm fascinated by your relationship with your dad and like what he thought of you or comedy or you know I don't know anything about that yeah because there was a a sense in the movie that at a certain age after high school that everyone in your family thought there is no way this man is going to survive oh yeah they were worried about you which Lena Dunham said that her family felt bad about her like they when we had the premiere of Girls all of her relatives were walking up to me just being like thank you (laughs) you." yeah Uh, you know when she's such a genius it seems so ridiculous but they for a while we're like how is she going to find her place oh. in society wow yeah because i remember my father used to get really angry what did he me. do for a living well he would just yell at me cause... for a living yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to do this gilbert but i got to fill out a 1099 <laughs> too little shit <laughs> that's a deductible and, and years later after i had my first kid i thought Oh, this is what my parents were all about. Yeah. You know, you don't know. Your parents are like these two schmucks who get in your way when you're before yeah. you have kids. When you have kids, a light goes on yeah. your head and you go, oh, so I'm sure. Wait, now you relate more. What? To your kids. Is that what you're saying? Like, like your dad was right to yell at you? That's uh, what, yes. That's kind of what I'm picking up, isn't it? Well, it's like I understand. The stress. Yeah. But what was the gripe he had with you? Were you doing bad in school or you had no vision for yourself? Like, what was he in a panic well, about? Well, I dropped out of high school. Yeah. What grade? Yeah. To oh, pursue God. soap collection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're on the tracks with a bindle. Is only soap in that bindle. And, and then to say you're going to make it in show business would be like saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, win the lottery right. and win $10 billion. That's how I'll support myself. You're, right. You're 15, right? So at 15, yeah. you dropped out of high school to be a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Because you hated high school or because you loved comedy? Oh, I hated high school. Yeah. yeah. Which part of it? I mean, I get it. But which part? <laughs> I mean, I, I hated elementary school and junior high even more. Just being told what to do, the structure, yeah, the other kids. I don't know what it was. I, yeah. I didn't play well with others, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Were you bullied or teased? Or? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah look at me. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the adult dashing version. Yeah. <laughs> this is the after photo. <laughs> this is post-success. <laughs> were you a, were you an odd kid? One, I, I, I was a weird boy too. Yeah. I was a strange, strange. See, duck. I was. People always say, "Were you the class?" Cl-? I was never the class clown. Yeah, and I always feel like the class clowns are the ones that come up to me after a show and go. You know, I'm the funniest guy at my job. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I completely understand. No, I feel like more comedians are the guy watching the class clown. Yes. Kind of going like, what the yeah. fuck are they yes. laughing at? Yes, That's not that good. Did you? Did your dad ever see you do stand-up? No, so, no. So you, when, my, what age did you get on stage for the first time? Yeah, 15. Yeah. yeah. 15 where? 
Yeah, I, I, uh... You dropped out and found a state? Yes. What year is this, roughly? It, it was my sister. Had, uh, a friend of hers told her about someplace... See, I, for all these years, thought it was the bitter end. She said it was another place, mm. like maybe the Blarney Stone or something. But, but in the West Village. Yeah. What, whatever it was, you would go in there... And you just write your name down on the list, and they call on you. And it was like... And like, I, Bob Dylan? Yeah! <laughs> Bob Dylan. Yeah. Right here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's four minutes. I don't have anything that's only four minutes long. <laughs> like a rolling what? He got cut off. <laughs> so you went there and you signed up? Yeah. Like, was it all comedy or music like and comedy? Like a rolling... Thank you! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you signed up, was it music, comedy... I have to it, imagine it, someone it was, was scatting. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got talent. <laughs> His name is Al <laughs> It was basically everything. Yeah. A lot, lots of folk singers. Yes. Yeah. Lou and Davis. Yeah. And then... 15-year-old Gilbert Gottfried. What was your what routine this, like though? when you were... And, and oh... You and, ever drop out of high school? <laughs> what was it? What are we doing? When, when I first started playing the other clubs, you know, Catch and the Improv and yeah. others, that would open for a week or so and then close. <laughs> I can't tell you how... There were loads of singers. Now, it, it wasn't strict comedy. Right, right, right. Loads of singers. right. And I don't know how many times over the years I would hear on stage, everything has its season, everything has its time. Show me the reason, and I'll soon show you the rhyme. (laughs) Yes, yes. that was a popular song. (laughs) Believe it or not. (laughs) Yes. If there were cell phones, that would have been the ringtone. Yeah, yes, yes. And then a lot of the rows, I'm assuming. How many rows must a man walk oh, down? Oh, yes. That was the closer. And then you went up. What, what was your perspective? I know, like, the Gilbert that we know and love, that took a long time. Yeah. Like, you watch you on SNL, for example, that wasn't this Gilbert. You were yeah. still maturing. So what were you, like, 15? What was that about? I did mainly impressions. Uh-huh. I wasn't that far from... And, uh, you know, if it was Clark Gable who was your waiter, yes. it might go something like this. That's good. Did you turn around and then turn back around? Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but that takes courage. I mean, here's a kid. You're not getting along with your well, dad. You I, drop out of school. I always say that what in my favor, I had stupidity. Uh, Stupidity yeah. to think you I could make it in show business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, when people tell me, oh, well, I'm going into show business, I think, no, no, it's, the odds are impossible. But right. it's different. I think it's a little different because uh, I'm a, a little bit younger than you. But uh, 
back then, it didn't feel like everyone was trying to get into show business. I was yes. into comedy. No one in my high school was into comedy. So I thought I could make it because there was no competition. Right. And I thought, I found this little world no one knows about. And yeah. There's, there's, and I used to think, there's only like 100 comedians in the country. I could be one of 100. Seinfeld jokes. He's like, nowadays, it's like, I'll either be a lawyer or a comedian. Like one yeah, of the Yes. He also talked about there weren't, you're kind of alluding to this time, there weren't comedy clubs. You say Catch and the Improv open later. But you were probably opening for burlesque or performing in just, Patty Smythe. What is it? Patty Smythe. It, it was uh, yeah, right? and and Pat Benatar used to play at those clubs. Oh really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. But they weren't comedy. Now you yeah. could you could grind out yeah. a living a, a new a, a many yeah. number of ways. Yeah. But when you did it, it was kind of insane. But that made it yeah. seem more possible. In a week, because uh, yeah. like, you just well, thought no one's doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, there must be room, right? It, it's back then. It was still crazy yeah. to you know go up on stage and t- now it's not crazy anymore. It's mm. a it's a career opportunity. People get it though. Yes. You, if you watch game shows now that feature children. And they talk to kids in the audience. You know, like watch Double Dare from the 80s. If they go in the crowd and they're like, "Uh, what's your name, little boy? He stands up. His glasses are crooked, snot's drooling down his face. He's like, I'm from Florida. And then he vomits on himself. Now they go into the crowd and talk to children. The kids find their light. Yes. (laughs) And they're like, well, Mark, I tell you, this is one of my first tapings. They're eloquent. They're funny. They smile. So it's like show business has changed the culture and we know how to do it. We know how to hear it. You were doing it in the Wild West. I remember... uh, Oh, Barry Levinson in an interview was saying he was making a movie, probably Quiz Show, one of those, that took place in those times. And he says, when you watch TV shows from that time, they'd get a contestant, mm. and the contestant was scared and and <laughs> yes. looking around, yes. and, and it looked like... <laughs> and wearing he, a suit because he thought yes, someone might see him. <laughs> yes, and it looked like he could just have a heart attack yes. at any point. And they said, now you would never find someone like that. Of course. That. Yeah. Now most of the audience is disappointed that they weren't on camera. That's where you yes. the generation yeah. waving at the oh, behind yeah. reporters and stuff, trying to make the show about them. But even audiences didn't really know how to listen to comedy. I imagine you yeah. went up and what, what, was the, what was the first time you performed like, if you remember? <laughs> yeah, see, that's another thing. I've got like, it's a blur. <laughs> the first time I was on. But I, I've never heard you talk about, like, I wanted The Tonight Show. I wanted a sitcom. Yeah. It was all, you were addicted to it for a while. Yeah. And then it was to drive audience. Like you, it was always the opposite of, like, success. It yeah. was just you had to do it. I, I was, yeah, for a while, I became really addicted to, I had to do a set. So there would be snowstorms, transit strikes. I'd find a way. <laughs> Is it safe to say that? Collecting soap and, and stand-up aren't that different. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean it like it calms you down. It makes you feel good. Yeah. But and that same compulsion. I have a compulsion to do stand-up as well. That compulsive kind of behavior yeah. makes you feel good. Oh, yeah. Makes you feel in control. But, but you feel now, happy. nowadays, when my agent says, oh, we got you a gig at so-and-so, and I go, oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's hard to connect. I, I just complained that I, I said to you on the ride over, I was like, I had this TV's taping, it got canceled, and I was like, but I booked all these spots to get ready, now I just have to go do the spots? Yeah. I was like, what has my life become that I'm upset to do the thing that we work so hard to do? Oh, yeah, and, and I always try to remind myself 
Because, you know, all those years kicking around the clubs and there would be all these comics there who just disappeared. Yeah. And I don't know if they're alive or dead. I don't remember their names. And if they're dead, do they have any unopened cans? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Please let me know. (laughs) And, And I'm thinking... You know, me, I'm on television and movies. People constantly are taking my picture when I walk down the street. And I think like, oh, I'm getting upset because I'm booked at these clubs where all over the country people want to pay money and see me. Yeah. This is my biggest problem. Right. It's (laughs) amazing the mind, the way, it's almost like our brains want problems. Yes. You know what I mean? There's something... If you know what you're worried about, you're not worried about other things, right? Yeah. That's another way of managing anxiety. Were you an anxious kid? Oh, sure. Just general anxiety? Yeah. Worried about? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I relate to that very hard, and that's one of the reasons. I had a bald spot on the side of my head from stress, just from high oh. school. Like, I was just, like, that yeah. worried about everything. But, yeah, I, I get upset because... I'm in demand. In ah, show and now that's your problem. Yes. Yeah, that's my big problem. <laughs> yes, I completely understand. When I was a kid, I remember I had two things like that. My neck used to go out. How, really? <laughs> how nerdy is that? Like the stressed little nerdy kid. Oh, my neck went out. <laughs> my mom would like boil this hot piece of fabric and put it on my neck. Oh, which geez. is the exact opposite of what you're supposed to. You're supposed to put ice on it. I remember I was so nervous about my driving test that my neck went out and I was worried I wasn't going to be able to turn to the right. An integral part of a driving test. So it's weird that the stress manifests. And I, I feel like my parents also had no, like when I had the bald yeah. spot, nobody was like, are you okay? Yeah. I mean, they, they loved me and everything, but I feel like nowadays you'd be like, we got to get a specialist in here to help me calm down. Who was those, what were those first comedy alliances you made? Those good friends that you made that were in the trenches with you? Well, it, it, I, there were people I was in the trenches with. And it's weird because I was in it so long, I don't know who came when. Mm, yeah. Somewhere at the beginning, like Larry David was at the clubs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, later on, Bill Maher. Seinfeld was there, uh, Riser. Did, were these people friendly <clears throat> to you, or were they? I get. Yeah, I mean, Seinfeld. I I never really had any connection with. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I saw him now, I I think he'd kind of stare at my eyebrows or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how are you? Why are they called eyebrows? <laughs> They're above the eye. We just call them brows. They're also just as much forehead brows as they are eyebrows. There's nothing on my eye. It's on your forehead. Well, I, I forehead brows. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I talked to Richard Belzer about that, and Belzer thinks that Gilbert invented the Seinfeld uh, impression. Because he would go on. Well, you do a great time. Is that what you before, mean? Yeah. before Seinfeld? Anybody really knew who he was? He would go on. Belzer said he would go on after or before Seinfeld and do Seinfeld's act as Seinfeld and, while Seinfeld was waiting to go on. All of the waitresses <laughs> Just watching, like, what's the deal with this? Yeah, all the other comics and waitresses were in the back cracking up. Oh. The audience was scratching their heads. That's hilarious. And, and Seinfeld would angrily pace the bar, going. That doesn't sound anything like me. 
<laughs> I heard a story of a guy who opened for a guy. I'm going to forget all the details, but the the headliner had cerebral palsy, <laughs> and they were doing a benefit for cerebral pal- cerebral palsy. And it's all these doctors that study it exclusively. And he went out. He's first. He doesn't have cerebral palsy. He goes out pretending he does have cerebral palsy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> does that guy's act. He's, he's dying in the back watching. And then he goes, he's going to introduce him. And he goes, this next guy makes fun of me. He's always doing an impression of me and my voice. I won't do the voice. And then he goes, but here he is, ladies and gentlemen. Brings out the guy who has it, and he's walking out, and everyone's like, boo, boo, all these doctors, and he's like, no, 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 he's fucking with me. Isn't that a, you did that, you, you did that to Seinfeld. Did he have words with you afterwards? No? Yeah, because he had cerebral palsy. <laughs> and you go, That's actually a perfect segue into something you have to talk to Gilbert Godfrey about. It is you love jokes about things you're not supposed to joke about. Oh, absolutely. And we live in 2017 <clears throat> when... I have jokes about how you can't make jokes about anything anymore. Yeah. That's, that's your way into the jokes. You love, uh, what was it, two weeks after 9-11? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was at the Hefner roast. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I said, um, I have to leave early tonight. I have to catch a flight to L.A. I couldn't get a direct flight. We have to make a stop at the Empire State Building. It's two weeks. Yes. <laughs> And Two they're weeks. booing, hissing. At the Friars Club. Yeah. Which is like yes. supposed to be the sacred yes. place of like, we do anything here. And then I go into the aristocrats joke. <laughs> and, oh, and one guy yelled too soon, which I thought meant I didn't take a long enough pause between the setup and punchline. <laughs> <laughs> or is half talking to a 17-year-old. <laughs> and then I go into the aristocrats and I'm going... And, you know, the mother's blowing her son. And uh, and the daughter is fisting her father and the asshole. And they're laughing hysterically. Right. And, well, number one, it proved people want to laugh at those times. Right. And, two, it proves uh, terrorist attacks, bad taste, terrorist. Uh, Parents fucking their kids, good taste. Yes. Yes. So you don't think there's uh, a clock on it? You don't think there is a too soon? Uh, Yeah, well, see, that gets me too. Because I feel an argument could be made for me doing the jokes that I'm more sensitive to do the jokes when it happens. Because people, the reaction is, oh, geez, what did he just say? Because it's so terrible. Right. And then if you wait, like if you went on stage and did jokes about the Titanic, no one would be offended. So basically, you're saying, fuck the people who died on the Titanic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You're not having any reaction to yeah, that. Yeah, yes. There, I, I, I've noticed the same thing. People make Armenian genocide jokes. Yes. Like that is kind of, Holocaust is still kind of like, ah, oh, yeah. aren't, aren't Armenians lives valid? But so it's like medicine, though. I mean, I think like a, a, a joke that is awful, and the point of it is, isn't so much of life awful that I'm just going to laugh in the face of how terrible this entire setup is, right. that that's a medicine for certain people 
And everyone wants that medicine at a different time. For sure. There are people, the second the plane hits, they're going to do that joke. Right. Yes. And, and, and that might make them feel better That's that day. That's their coping. And there are some people, like, in a year, they can do it. And yes. some people, it's two weeks. Right. And because we all have a different feeling about it, people can get up in arms. Right. But they're probably laughing at it at some point we just, in it, time. Oh, that's right. We're all the same. Just give us enough time. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like when you have a friend over your house when you're little and they hear your parents fighting. If that person makes that joke about it or you joke about oh, it yeah. together, it suddenly makes it not so scary. It's not two Greek gods fighting. Yes. It's just your fucking idiot parents or whatever. And you laugh. And it's healing. So you can see the healing power of jokes, but you've also received some flack. You received it that night, and then wasn't there the tsunami thing? And oh yeah, I mean you've been in the you've been in the papers that you're probably hoarding. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at it deeply, you wouldn't laugh at anything if you really thought about it what? really deeply. That's yes. for, that's for Bigley's point. It, yeah. Every joke, sorry to interrupt, yeah. is, a, is against somebody. Yeah, if you look at it, it's like oh that is kind of. Not okay to somebody, right? Is yeah. that what you're saying? But don't you think most people are upset for someone else? Like, very few people are offended for themselves. Like, they, this racial joke offended the white guy because, you know, they... they well, the guy in the story someone. that I just told, the guy with cerebral palsy, the headliner, loves that story. Like, yeah. he, he's a comedian, but I mean, I do think there is something... That's why I was saying when someone would come over and my parents were fighting and they would make fun of my parents... That's supposed to. I'm supposed to be like, hey, but it felt good to <laughs> yeah. have a voice. I I was at one club and there were two people in the audience in wheelchairs, like a guy and a woman mm. in wheelchairs, and I turned to them and started doing jokes on them, mm. and and they were laughing, and afterwards the manager came over to me and he said that was really good what you did. You made them feel like part of the crowd. Instead of yeah. other. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, I'll avoid them, they're cripples. That's what right. Jeff Ross right. says, that, they, that people always feel that way. Right. That they, they feel, they don't want to feel excluded. That's what makes them feel well, that's disrespected. The, mm-hmm. the comedian premise is, if you don't make fun of me, I love being made fun of. Yeah. You love being made yeah. fun of. And you've never, well, it's a stupid I've question. had people come up to me in, you know, wheelchairs or, or twisted up, whatever. And they'll say to me, hey, how come you didn't do any cripple jokes tonight? Yeah. They want yeah. it. Right. Well, why wouldn't there be all different? There are people, not in wheelchairs, that love dark humor. Obviously, there's going to be some people in wheelchairs. The, your sense of humor doesn't change because you're in a wheelchair. Yeah. You're just like, oh, I, I yeah. still have a dark, a dark or a, what, what we like to call and, a fucked up sense of humor. You know what? Uh, before the internet, because you were just talking about it, uh, there was, it, it, when a tragedy occurred, uh, there would be about eight to ten jokes that would come out immediately yeah. that everybody knew. There was no internet, but everybody knew these jokes. That was the internet. Yeah, yes. <laughs> they, they were literally faxed. They were literally faxed. Like, yeah. they were like, the like on Wall Street and stuff. The Challenger, when the Challenger happened, it was immediate. There oh, were, yes. I remember that. I remember Millions of jokes receiving tragic news about via street jokes. But doesn't yeah, that maybe. mean that people are just going, fuck life? This is yes. fucked, and and it's like it is like giving the finger to the universe to make the joke. And some people don't like that; it doesn't make them happy. Right. And things happen sometimes when something happens, and you know, I'll turn on a show, or maybe it's like Howard Stern, and I'll go like, ah, I'm uncomfortable with that joke at this point, mm. you know. Uh, 
And then other times he'll make a joke about something, and I fucking laugh my ass off. For some reason, like I think it's okay. It's hard to, to come know. at it from that angle, and everyone disagrees on what that angle right. is. But you're servicing that that Judd that wanted that dark joke. You needed yeah. that dark joke at that time. It's hard oh. to know which one you're going to make. And you know, people love to feel moral. Yeah. You know, it's like if a tragedy <laughs> occurs, you know, you could fly there and actually help out. You could give money or you could get offended that someone right. isn't respecting Right. You. If offense could feed people, would have no problem. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and, I just ate your indignation. And, and one of the things that gets me with people being moral and offended is when they say uh, rape is not funny. And it's like if you're doing a TV show – or movie, a comedy, and there's a scene in prison, by law, you have to have a bunch of rape jokes there. Right. Yeah. It, 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 that, the movie Stir Crazy is just oh, a yes. series of those. Yes, yes. Right. But are, are you also offended at the phoniness? Because I get that way, too. I grew up in the church community, so I, I knew I would be a person that was like, hey, buddy. And yeah. then in my car, I'd be like, you motherfucker. Oh, God. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and there's a loneliness associated. I, I, I'm all about trying to be kind and, and focusing on good things and, and trying to be decent or whatever. But there's also like a phony like, well, I don't care for that humor. My, you know, yeah. I'll even call out my dad. He always goes like, oh, I don't care for that type of humor. He'll even do this. He goes, I, I saw George Carlin and he opened. He went, fuck, uh, fuck Oprah. Fuck Lance Armstrong and like three people that yeah. were very big at the time. Yeah. And then he went, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for that guy. <laughs> like, I watched him realize that his son was watching and I can't. And I'm like, Dad, please just tell me that you're fucked up like I well, am for solidarity. I remember around the time the tsunami, you know. The and, Christmas Day. Yeah. Finally, yeah. And, and, and it was funny because. Affleck fires me, gets loads of free publicity that they get out of it, then hires a guy to imitate me for less money, thus bringing closure to a horrible tragedy. (laughs) 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 And I remember I was being treated like, you know, like the dictator of a country. The torturing dictator. And the duct tape. (laughs) (laughs) And I was on with this one reporter, this woman reporter. And I, I, you know, she was like just stern looking at me with hate that, you know, like, like I, like I burned down an orphanage. Mm. And then I told some joke. I was, I was making the point about rape too. And I I did a rape joke, and she starts laughing and covering her face. And right then and there, I thought, this is it. Mm. This, you laughing, you want to laugh, but you're covering your face because you know it's wrong. Right, right. Yeah. It's like when I found out, I heard a rumor that like the head of the Tobacco Education Cancer Society smokes a cigarette every day. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It's kind of like this naughty treat or whatever. <laughs> but we all have that. Do you, 
have what I'm going to call the Eminem syndrome. Eminem obviously is a rapper that has no boundaries. He talks about anything he likes, making fun of everybody. Then now he raps about how he has a double standard because he has daughters. Now you have daughters. Do you feel, and I'm not trying to paint you into a corner, yeah. but do you kind of catch yourself going like, oh, wait. <laughs> you, you, I, I'm so sad you haven't seen this movie. We, we deal with that exact And I will never line see this it. <laughs> There's one joke. As I was shooting, there's one joke Gilbert tells on stage, and halfway through, Dare said, Neil, I'm very serious. If you put that joke in the movie, I will never, ever talk to you again. Really? Yeah. They, so you did kind it's of... It's in the movie. <laughs> you, got, you found your operation board game. The, you found your yeah. spot. And, and it's like the funny thing is, is if one of my kids comes out with a dirty word or something they shouldn't say, I always think, well, I I can't with a straight face <laughs> reprimand them yeah. on this. But yeah. isn't there Gilbert? I don't want to make this too crazy, but it's almost like uh, I love Batman, right? So Batman becomes a symbol, like a thing yes. that's bigger than Bruce Wayne, yeah. right? So then there, this is preposterous, and I want you to know I know that. Then there's Gilbert, the idea of Gilbert Godfrey the comedian, and it's separate from Gilbert Godfrey the person. And Gilbert Godfrey the person is the father who doesn't want his daughter swearing. And then there's the persona and the symbol of the roasty, fuck everything, tsunami, yeah. 9-11 guy, who isn't the full you, it's just a, a you that you show on stage. That's what comes out in the movie you'll never see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have to see it. I just wrapped it up. <laughs> but, that, <laughs> but that makes sense, right? I mean, you just had to find a different gear. And now yeah. it, it's funny because you, being a father, now need the catharsis that your persona provides for other oh, yes, fathers. You're yes. like, this son of a bitch is going there. You need you. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, you were you said off mic, and I hated it because you said we work together on on Problem Child. Yes. <laughs> People think I look so much like John Ritter. I met his widow, and she was just like smitten. She was immediately taken with me and wanted to talk. And he just like. And out. she said, I'll fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I know the there might real... have been jokes like that. <laughs> the real John Ritter yeah. has only been dead for five minutes, <laughs> but I can fuck you now. <laughs> I'm I'm the new Affleck voice. <laughs> Affleck. It's not that hard to do. Raspy, yell it. But what was Why were you getting that much money to do it anyway? Yeah. <laughs> That's the real problem. The tsunami I had a problem with was the tsunami of cash they were giving. Yeah. That's, I had a problem with both tsunamis to be official. Um, but uh, John Ritter is a hero of mine. I, I actually ended up just kind of... I watched his movies and stuff, and Three's Company, obviously. But I really feel like I just sound like him because our skulls are shaped the same, and I just look like him and all that stuff. But you worked with this man. What was, what was it like? I'm sure you get this all the time. He, if you'll indulge. Then yeah. I'll ask you about Krang. Schmeller. <laughs> <laughs> he was nice, just the way you imagine him. Yeah. I think I only saw him get mad once. And he got mad something during a scene and then quickly quieted down. And I, what I remember best about Ritter is nobody thought Problem Child was going anywhere. I mean, yeah. that was like, I, I heard like the people at Universal were going, we're going to treat this like a wounded soldier on the battlefield. Mm. We're going to run and save our own asses. Mm. And, uh, 
I I was it was my last day of shooting, so I was uh, uh, talking to Ritter, and I said, "Oh, I well, I'm going to be going home now." And Ritter looks at me with, and with a sad look, uh, despondent, and he goes, "Well, you know the way it is in the business. You you do what you get, what's available, and then you hope the next thing." My, because he—he he was apologizing. Yeah, he's like, yeah. "Look, I know this turd is gonna sink us all." And and then it came out, and it was this monster hit. Yeah, yeah, that was right at the zeitgeist. Remember, it was like either right at the time of Bart Simpson or pre-Bart Simpson, where we couldn't get enough of mischievous young. Dudes. Oh yes, and yes. I remember taking my brother and my father to see that movie, and again. Same kind of dad. They did not care for it. And I was like, this is what I'm about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to be this boy. I want to be Junior. So that was, a, that was a very important movie to me. This, this, is, this brings us back to you having children and, and stuff. And oh, I, oh, I, I interviewed on my podcast, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. <laughs> Drop the audio. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I found Michael Oliver. Who was the problem child? No way. Now he's the problem man. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's carved the slingshot into a pen and he signs checks with it. (laughs) And the funny thing was, is he was frighteningly normal. Mm. Because everything around that time looked like it was geared for him to... Be one of those that dies under a bridge somewhere. Right, because right, he was huge. Yeah. And th- how many were there? Three? Oh, a problem, problem child? How many problem oh, children were there? there? <laughs> well, there were three, but he was in one and two. They got a new one for three? Uh, three was a TV movie. Oh, uh, okay. And it was... Uh, John, I don't consider that canon. Yeah. John Ritter <laughs> didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the greatest American hero. William Cat, the John, yeah, I'm on fire with my. Oh my God, you are killing it! This is kind of freaking me out. It's that smoothie. I'm telling you, that's got that juice in it. Um, Well, Well, go ahead. Well, we we have to ask uh, Gilbert about uh, Saturday Night Live. Oh yes, because you know, in 1980, 81, when uh, they changed cast and Lauren left the show, I mean, Saturday Night Live could not have been. Bigger, yeah. It was it, oh, it was sacrilege mm. back then. Mm. It was kind of like if when Friends was on the air, if you said, "Well, we're continuing the show, but we're changing the entire cast." Yeah, and just watch it like you don't know. Or if in the middle of Beatlemania, they <laughs> say we're getting rid of John, Paul, George, and Ringo, and we got these four <laughs> schmucks. And you mean the monkeys? So, so they were already panning the show before it got on the air. They were always saying, "How dare they!" Hmm. Now, I mean, when was the last time you knew who was on Saturday yeah. Night Live? You had to acclimate the world that the cast would change. Yeah, we were the George Lazenby <laughs> of the cast. Oh, I'm sorry, am I missing something? Was this the season that Lauren was not the producer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, oh. several seasons. The several that seasons. was the first one. But I always I'm fascinated by this because the, the writers on that show are some of the great writers of all time. From yes. that year, who was the person screwing the show up? Oh, on, on, on my on season? On your season, yeah. Mm. Oh, everything sucked about yeah. it. But who was the person that like you thought, they don't get it, that's why this isn't working? Yeah. 
Oh, I don't know. I who, remember. Who was the woman that was that ran oh, the show? From oh, well, look, the producer was Jean Demanion. Did she pick the sketches? Uh, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and I remember the writers. I I, I tell this in my in my book. I remember the writers, uh, and and I never got along, and they hated me so much that for a funeral sketch. They wrote me in as the body in the coffin. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. The role you were dead to play? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. What, what was it that you think uh, you put out there that made them all hate you? Oh, I don't know. I think I knew we were Who in took trouble. my pens? <laughs> <laughs> Who took my goddamn pens? <laughs> I'm telling you, I had an unopened box of gauze on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> I think I knew we were in trouble from the very yeah. start, and and uh, well, that I, show has a lot to do with like forming alliances with writers, yeah. and that's how you get. Oh on yeah, and, and I I wasn't good at that, and oh god, I you know people say, gee, I don't see your season anywhere, and I think thank God, because yeah. it sucked. What was, what was the best sketch you did? Oh, Probably the remember. corpse one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was Eddie Murphy and Piscopo. Oh, yeah. Charles Rocket. Yeah. Who said fuck on the air. Yeah. In the middle of the news on purpose or was it a mistake? Uh, he said someone, sh- it was a sketch around the time of who shot JR. And he said, someone shot me and I want to know who the fuck did it. Yes. Really? But said it like he knew he was saying it. Well, it, it was like, it was one of those things. The ending's still always clumsy. The Saturday Night Live. The sketch. Yeah. Know, yeah. Oh, yeah. no. No, the uh, the good nights. Oh, I yeah. see. Like, hey, good, good night. Nights. Everybody here's great. Hey, Susie, go to sleep now. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah. whoa, we're having a wild time. And, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it crazy being in showbiz? Yes. And, and so they told us to stretch. And that's dangerous. <laughs> and so he did say fuck. And you know what I loved about it? Afterwards, he got fired and I got fired and a few other people. Why were you fired? And Well, we'll get to that. I, I think they already wanted me off and uh-huh, the other people uh-huh. too. But they would write about it saying, and after he said fuck, they fired all these people. And I think, well, wait, wait a minute. If fuck was the problem, why would the people who didn't say fuck? Right. We saw Gilbert laughing. Yeah, and <laughs> there, too, uh, the hypocrisy. In the original show, uh, they, someone said fuck. And in shows later on, they slipped yeah. and said fuck, but nobody hears it. Right, yeah. right, right, right. It's it was a a fuck of convenience. But someone yes. did say fuck a few years ago. Jen, Jenny, Jenny Slate. Yeah, and she that, talked about it on her episode. She's she. I mean, how well is she doing now? It's so nice. Yeah, but did she think it related to why she wasn't picked up? That's a good question. I wonder if it was a fuck of convenience for her as well. Because maybe and an unconscious get me out of here. Ah, oh. I don't know about Jenny, but I've known people on that show that secretly wanted out in some way. Because oh, it's yeah. a six-year contract, so it's not just like I'll do SNL for a while. You kind of get, you kind of get. I was acquired. one of those people, like any of the reality shows I've been on. When when they go, then they do the elimination round. They get rid of me. I'm like, ah, oh. yeah. Does your money yeah. change? 
at all? Uh, no, I think you get the same money. If you stay. <laughs> so I didn't. I, they could have fired me That's after introducing you. I was so bummed. I was yeah. so bummed. I'm like, I cannot believe Gilbert's on the show and it's over after one. It's hilarious. <laughs> I, I was so bummed. But then they've been saying lately that some producer from The Apprentice was saying that whenever they were talking about who to kick off, that's when Trump would always be very uh, questionable about the Jews uh, <laughs> and uh, other races that like, oh, it certainly wow. uh, fed into his thought. <laughs> Who's the it. Jewiest on this show? <laughs> Get that guy that's kind of Borscht Belt. <laughs> Get him out of here. Get him on the oh, Borscht Belt train. What was Treb like? You were right next to him. And one of the heads of Disney, when they were trying to decide on me for Aladdin, said, hmm, he's, I don't know, he's kind of one-dimensional. And I'm thinking, so I don't have the dimensions to play a cartoon parrot. A two-dimensional <laughs> yeah, cartoon yes. parrot. Yeah, I we, have the exact right dimensions <laughs> to play this two-dimensional character. we got to get Meryl Streep <laughs> as Iago. <laughs> Do you have a lot of weird kids that come up to you and love you and know you as Iago? Oh, yeah. That want you to leave voicemail greetings and whatnot? Oh, oh yeah. And... and <laughs> And it's funny, problem child. I get like All the just time. about every day. Yeah. What well, about what about the that movie about the the kid who uh, uh, has autism? What was that? Uh, yeah, film? Was Life it Animated. Yeah, that's a good Life you ever Animated. Seen that? That? You no, I've heard it's wonderful. Yeah, that was a weird thing because. All of a sudden, uh, there was an article in the Times, and it said, and this guy wrote. The, uh, the article, he was a writer, um, um, Suskine, Ron, Ron Suskine. Suskine. He wrote the article that his son had autism, mm. still has it, really. <laughs> uh, and um, his son was sinking deeper and deeper into it, where he wasn't talking to anybody and wouldn't react to anyone and would watch Disney animated films every day, constantly, morning Mm. to night. And one day the father goes into the room, and, you know, no psychiatry would help or anything, and he sees a puppet uh, of Iago the parrot from Aladdin, and he puts it on his hand and does an imitation of me. Mm. And his son turns around. And says, too and, soon. Yeah, see, too soon. <laughs> Empire State Building, <laughs> dad. <laughs> Come on, this is. <laughs> the, the son, he speaks his first words and goes, too Jewy. <laughs> 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 but he turns to him, I ruined a great story. Yeah, yeah. And what did uh, he say in real oh, reality? He said in my voice, well, the father with the puppet said in my voice, what is it like being you? And he said, I'm not happy. I have no friends. Oh. Hmm. And and then I, I got to meet the family and everything. And, wow. yeah. It's a beautiful sequence in the movie when, when he meets Gilbert. Wow. And there's another uh, yeah, actor from the... So that didn't traumatize there. him that his favorite that, bird was a, yeah. was a four foot eleven Jewish they comedian? Started, <laughs> they were all... It was like a school for kids with autism. And they started their own Disney club where they'd act out. Before so, the cease and desist. Yes, yes. And they were acting out Aladdin... And they didn't tell him, 
And I came out and started doing the lines, and oh. everyone went wild. Wow. Yeah, it's in the yeah. movie. It's beautiful. That is amazing. That is amazing. Uh, we were also, on the car over, we were like, we need to ask Gilbert, how did you manage to get a wonderful wife that can put up with your soap hoarding? <laughs> not, not just your soap hoarding, but, you know, it's hard for any comedian to find the right person. I'm very grateful. I'm engaged. I'm actually getting married this month. Uh, would you do the ceremony? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> how's your puppet work? Um, but finding the right person, and, and, and I mean, was that hard for you? I mean, she seems phenomenal. Tell us how you met. Oh, she tells that story. It was yeah. at some Grammy party. <laughs> I was there for the free food, of That doesn't course. sound like Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a lid? <laughs> <laughs> and she, she worked in the music business, like getting songs... To be played so on the I air. So I knew she could yeah. get me some keychains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, if anyone could get me T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Demos. <laughs> Stationery. <laughs> so you met at a Grammy party. Yeah. You're eating the finger foods. Oh, yes. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> how did that happen? Did you go up I, to her? We, yeah, we started talking and then, uh, oh, God. When she tells this story, do you want to come on the mic? Room. You're welcome. She's right here. I was waiting to see if you'd actually tell it because I've never ever heard you. We've yeah. been together over yeah. 20 years. I've never let heard him you finish tell it. it and see what the, yeah. what the rest is. Ah, and and then there was. <laughs> if I remember correctly, there these, was a blue genie. Yeah, <laughs> there are uh, uh, a gang of gunmen broke <laughs> in. <laughs> And I wrestle into the ground, and they shot me in the arm, and with one arm, I was fighting them off. That sounds about right. So you hit it off, and yeah. uh, interesting right away, where you kind of like, oh, who's this? Lady? Yeah, it was it was weird. Um, and then I I I, I took her uh, basically uh, to a diner. That night? Yeah. No. A few nights later, uh-huh. I called her and took her to a diner, and Did she say- herself said, huh. "What? Yeah, you're, she thought to herself, he's, this, this is a date? <laughs> ah. <laughs> we're, we're at a, a creek diner? How many know? matchbooks is he going to yeah. take? <laughs> <laughs> is he putting coasters in his pockets? And, well, it was one of those creek diners that also had the bowl by the cash register with those uh, dry cookies. Ah. <laughs> I thought it was a salad bowl. Damn, yeah. damn, damn. <laughs> damn, damn, damn. So you went to a diner. Yeah. And you hit it off. Yeah. We're going to need the, the lady details. What were you thinking going on a date with this man? You seem so well adjusted. Well, you know, I mean, so I met Gilbert at the Grammy party that we were both at, and we were both a little early. We were standing by the food table, and I had dropped some food um, off my plate onto the table, and Gilbert picked it up and put it on his plate. And I looked at him and thought, well, who is this strange guy that looked kind of sad and lost that was picking up my, my old food and putting it on his plate? What, what kind yeah. of food was it? Don't say it was loose egg salad. <laughs> <laughs> he scooped it up like a talon. But so, then you asked for my But it was kind over. of an intimate move, right? I mean, I thought, it reminds I, me of I it. I felt bad for him. He looked, he looked kind of lost. He Another was, like, love sweetness. forged in yes. pity. Yes. <laughs> 
See, he looks so lost. If, if only my pathetic state could have gotten me more pussy over the years. Ah, but you, you did you know who he was? I did not know who he was. No, I didn't know. You I, went I, up cold. I had never listened to Howard Stern. I had never. No, I, he just he looked. You didn't recognize the voice. You no. weren't tempted to buy he insurance. He was talking normal. He wasn't talking yeah. like he did in Aladdin. I mean, right? I didn't. You know, I had seen Aladdin, but what? No, what I didn't did he really say know. that that charmed you? He just. Or how did was, you charm him? I felt bad for him. He he <laughs> looked so sad and sweet. He had this like sweetness, and I said, "We have a table." I was working for a label at the time, and I said, "You could sit with us." And meaning you and Sammy Hagar. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was running. You you like asked for my phone number. Oh yeah. And was that a surprise, or was it feeling romantic already? I You're letting was... a puppy in from the rain, right, and then the puppy goes, basically. you want to go out sometime? <laughs> and you were like, okay with it? He kept running off and getting me little desserts and bringing them So back. there was a sweetness. It was like, there was this yeah. very sweet. It very, started very pity, sweet. and then it was pity yeah. sweet. And then I thought he was really sweet. And then you called me up two days later, and I was like, oh, this, you know, he's a, li- a little bit older than me. And I thought, oh, this older man is taking me out yeah. for, like, I got all dressed up. And, and I show up, and it's the Moonstruck Diner, and we split. We split a rice pudding. I think oh, yeah. did, I didn't even get my own. And then you told you we you walked me home, and you told me turtle jokes the entire way home. And I thought, wow, this is the strangest, strangest. <laughs> <laughs> At what point did you think I need to have sex with this? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, come on, he's hot. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad. No, obviously, there there was chemistry. And what were the turtle jokes? Oh, let's. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, a snail gets attacked by a turtle. A cop shows up and he goes, "Can you describe him to me?" And he goes, "I don't know. It all happened so fast." <laughs> 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 it was actually your birthday, our first date. Yeah. Really? You didn't tell me. You didn't tell me it was your birthday. Yeah. And how long did you date before you got engaged? Ten years. Ten years? Ten years we dated before we got Oh, married. my God. I know. What was it so like you in year were... seven? <laughs> yeah. My father was ready to break your legs. Right? <laughs> Be- why? Because you hadn't yet yeah. proposed? Or uh, because you might? No. <laughs> <laughs> What was your secret plan for proposing? Oh, I didn't have one. Did you think I you didn't want to get married yeah. or well, you had never been used, married. You used to say that like you couldn't you felt like you couldn't even take care of yourself. How are you gonna yeah, take care of yeah. a family? You just yeah. didn't see yourself like how how am yeah. I ever gonna do this? And I was like, you don't have and, to And in the film that you'll never see. <laughs> they uh, I talk about it. I I compare it to all those Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah. Where someone go- wakes up with the age difference, it's more like Twilight. Yeah, and <laughs> that's a very good joke. If we know For that the character crowd. in Twilight is very, my daughter is going to think you're old. great. Yes, <laughs> she's at home rewinding that moment over and over. Uh, there's those episodes where someone goes, uh, you know, where am I? And then it'll go, "Why you're in the White House, Mister President." <laughs> <laughs> And what year is this? It's 1403. And, you know, that's yeah. what I still feel that way. Yeah. That I, that I feel that way. I think you always feel that way. Like, you just can't believe their kids are around and wow. they're yours. Yes. Am I screwing them up or not screwing them up? <laughs> but was it a surprise to you that you were a good parent? 
How nervous were you at the beginning? I bet you're a great parent. I mean, amazing, it seems very, very perfect yeah. for you. Amazing father. Did you but always want to have, have kids, kids, or did that kind of happen Twilight Zone uh, style? That Twilight Zone style. Uh, yeah. <laughs> TZS. Uh, but now you love it. Uh, yeah, it's like, and and it's like I said, you finally realize what your parents were all about. Mm, mm, yeah. As you're in a fit of blind rage. And, and oh, and I, I heard this saying that uh, uh, kids are your grandparents' oh, no. Kids are your parents' revenge. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 I fear that that might be true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried that it, when Val and I yeah. have ch- children, that I'll be like, shit. Yeah. I'm trying to appreciate them now before that. Well, um, we're, we always talk about the meaning of life. We should get that out of the way in case we want to talk about other things. You've, uh, what was Moses like? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Funny guy? Well, I, I have a question before you get into it. Yeah, sure. Just as someone that's about to turn 50. But, you know, your generation of people are, you know, in their mid-60s to early 70s. And how funny do you think they are? Like, how how do you feel like people are evolving comedically? Like, you see Richard Lewis, and he's still hilarious, and Larry David's doing his show. He's in his early 70s. Yeah. What's it like for you to that, have that generation to be getting older and to see creatively what they're doing? Oh, yeah. Because it scares me when I'll see some people, like... You know, like when you see an actor who you'd see in movies and it, you'd be hypnotized by them mm. and go, how are they doing this? And then you see them in movies and you go, yeah, I could give that performance in my sleep. Mm. Or when you watch yeah. a musician, mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of like Paul McCartney at uh, 9-11 uh, came out with a new song and he sang it at this benefit called Freedom. Mm. And I remember listening to it going, I could not have written yesterday, but I could have written Freedom. <laughs> 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 and that always worries me. Tearing <laughs> <laughs> down Paul McCartney's 9 11 song. Nice try, Paul. Well, it's always amazing when someone is still. Great. I know you mean well, Paul. <laughs> it's not helping. <laughs> Sing long and winding road. <laughs> Blackbird. <laughs> it was just freedom singing in the dead of night. <laughs> you can't just read. Because is it harder for comedians? Because there still are comedians that you see. Uh, I mean, like, even like Richard Lewis on your podcast, he was so funny. Mm. Yes. Like crazy funny. Mm-hmm. I remember Larry Gelbart. I used to hang out with him a little bit yeah. before he passed away. And you could not believe how hysterical he was. Oh, yeah. Mel Brooks right now. Is, oh, hysterical. I went to visit him with Bill Hader just to go like say hi and kiss the ring. And then as we walked out, he says, uh, all right, well, come, come visit again. Uh, but not soon, not soon, in like, <laughs> in like four to six months. And then as we walked away, we just hear him screaming, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and it was magical. <laughs> That's so funny. I love what they, well, you, you've, you've had such a long, and some other lesser comedians at some point would just go, fuck it, I'm not making the effort to stay sharp, yes. stay relevant, stay quick. And it's wonderful to see I mean, it's amazing talking I, to you. I've You're got so a new bit on Gunsmoke. 
Does the podcast bring in a lot of new fans when you go on the road? I, I, I'm amazed at, at the amount of people. Yeah. I thought nobody yeah. would want to hear it. Yeah. It's so great. The podcast. I was a guest once. Maybe Pete will be and, a guest on once. But it really yeah, is great. I think you happen. get fascinating interviews with people, and you get them to open up. I mean, for anyone out there, look up the Danny Bonaducci episode. Oh, I, I don't know if I've ever laughed harder. Really, it is so hysterical. Well, mm. I I I remember with Danny Bonaducci, I said to him, "Look, you're probably really tired." of talking about beating up the transvestite in your car. And he goes, I'm not tired of it at all. I'll tell you the whole story. Wow. He perked up. And the funny thing, I thought nobody knows these people anymore, so no one will like it. And I get people tweeting me saying, I didn't know who that person was, but I I loved listening to them. Yeah. Oh, and we had on Dick Van Dyke. And Dick Van Dyke was telling us that he, Mel Brooks, and Carl Reiner used to visit Sid Caesar. They'd go up to his house and spend the evening. And and uh, Dick Van Dyke said one time he and and Mel Brooks were leaving Sid Caesar's house, and Mel Brooks turned to him and goes. You seem comfortable around Jews. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> a good quality. It's a good quality. <laughs> Especially in our industry. Comfortable. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like clowns. You seem okay yes. around clowns. But isn't that funny how like your podcast suddenly, like we were talking earlier uh, before the show about you know, guys like Richard Lewis being on Curb Your Enthusiasm suddenly rev the whole thing up again. Mm. I would assume the podcast yeah. does that too. I uh, so many people who we've had on have have gotten in touch with us and said, "I've never gotten this kind of reaction or yeah. press before." Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to say that the fans of this podcast are, are ravenous and open. <laughs> I mean, yeah, open minded. Yeah. They're going to come up. And they're going to come to shows of yours, and they're going to yell things from this yeah, podcast. Yes, I guarantee. Which is just that always does my heart so well. It's just like we're just oh yes, rolling everything forward and helping each other out, which I love. So uh, thank you for doing it. Are, are we ready for God? I guess. Well, I don't. I'm, well, I'm the being, documentary no. is Gilbert, uh, which you'll never see. <laughs> yes, and the podcast. You're plugging, you're plugging it before the God part yeah. because nobody will want to hear yeah. this part. I, I meant, do you had if you had any other good Gilbert questions and before? Good- Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. Cut it out of the show. Ah, I dropped. The well, I would tell him to see the movie because the movie is great. And congratulations, thank it's you. A, uh, as someone who's working on a documentary right now about Gary Shandling, uh, uh, and just did an amazing one on the Abbott Brothers, uh, and did one on the Abbott Brothers. I, I really think uh, there's so few great documentaries about comedians, and I, I think this is one of the greats of all time. And really, oh, thank you. Uh, in addition to being interesting. Learning about Gilbert, it's just a beautiful, beautifully made documentary. Mm. I, I the whole time I was telling Daryl, I was like, "God, I hope comics like this. I really hope they oh, like this." And it. she was like, "Don't you want fans and millions of people?" And I said, "Yeah, but I really want comics to like it because that's the bar, right? That's yeah. the judge." I mean, it's right up there with the Joan Rivers documentary, oh, which wow. I think is a great documentary. Yeah, because I, I remember when I saw the Joan Rivers documentary, I thought this is as close to getting it right, yeah, yeah. as they can. Mm. And, then, and you feel the same way about this one? That's uh, yeah, I think so. And I think mm. it's also, you know, separate from the comedy aspect to it. 
you know, seeing somebody uh, reveal themselves, because I think in your comedy, it's not, uh, it's not personal. Yeah. And so I think people have waited a long time to say, what's Gilbert really like? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and you're very happy to know you're not a prick. I mean, <laughs> the reveal in the movie is what I, I knew nothing about Gilbert when I started. Like, the day I went with my camera and started shooting, I didn't know he had sisters. I didn't know his sister was a brilliant photographer. I didn't know he had all this stuff. So that onion gets unraveled as I'm learning it in the movie. But, so, yeah, there's this whole other guy we get to meet. Oh, and my sister, who passed away recently, has a gallery showing at uh oh it's going to be at the Tashin Gallery on Beverly Tashin. starting oh, wow, October yeah. 18th through December. Oh wow. And and you get you get a cut of that? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. I'm like, there's a joke here. I don't know what it is. There's all these... saw the fucking documentary. Yeah, those pictures are incredible. Oh yeah, she's. That, I didn't know she. I didn't know that existed. All that footage, that video she took. Not, we didn't know any of that. It all just kind of happened. Well, you, you are. A, you, your sister was sick. She had uh, breast yeah. cancer. Yes. And you spent a lot of time with her. Yeah. So you obviously have like a big heart for your sisters and your family yeah. and all that stuff. Do you have any sort of moral guiding principle, or are you just trying to? be a decent person for the sake of it is there a spiritual feeling behind anything in your life nothing spiritual <laughs> yeah uh, hey your face looks like you smelled a yeah, goat yeah. fart yeah You're like, no uh <laughs> <laughs> but you, how were you, were you raised uh jewish religious jewish uh, no no um uh i to me uh we i was never bar mitzvahed I I love eating bacon. So you're still a and, problem child. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I don't know when the holidays are. It's Sukkot I, right now. Yeah, <laughs> I don't fast. And, but what makes me a Jew is I know that if the Nazis come back, I'll be on the train car with everyone else. Oh, my and, God. And so I'm a boxcar Jew. I, oh <laughs> yes. I thought you were going to, with soap for everybody, yeah. I thought you were going to say, how I know I'm a Jew is when I go into the temple. Oh, yeah. And I feel that community. Yeah. You're like, nope, I'm going to be rounded up. That's terrifying. <laughs> but that is, I, I, oh, go. But that is the one thing that offends you, right? I asked you what offends you, and you, you went to the Mel Gibson thing. Oh. What's that? When, when <laughs> Mel Gibson was in the news for... You know, that he got arrested for drunk driving. Yes. Uh, and it was a woman cop, and he was calling her sugar tits. Mm. And, and he said, what are you, a Jew? The Jews start all the wars. And then he was saying, and, and news was coming out that he would slap his wife while she was holding their baby. And, and uh, Mel Gibson, they said, said to his wife, I'm going to kill you and bury you in the Rose Garden. And after all of this was over, I said, wait a minute. What did he say about the Jews? (laughs) (laughs) That's your line. Yeah, yeah. that's That's the only thing that registered (laughs) in all of that. Oh, my God. I thought, oh, wait. So you do have a cultural identity. Now he's gone too far. (laughs) (laughs) So you you do, uh, but you don't take on any of the God. Do do we think there's a God? Do we think there's a meaning behind this? No. At all? No. Any design, any purpose? I envy people. Who believe in God because it, it, you know, they say, oh, God is doing it. These bad things that are happening to you, God is doing it. 
he's testing you and he loves you and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, boy, I wish that would have been that would be great. But no, I don't buy into it. Mm. But it, it sounds like your philosophy, maybe even if you don't say it out loud, is what Harold Ramis used to say. Because he didn't believe in God. And he said, you know, if there's no God, I have a choice, which is I can be a good guy or a bad guy. I, I just choose to be a good guy. And, yeah. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. I yeah. Love that. Yeah. I love that. I, I think who's... Uh, uh, well, I, 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 I think it was George Carlin's line, but if it's someone else, uh, I, I think he said, "Fuck Oprah." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fuck Oprah. <laughs> he, he said, uh, you know, you don't need the Bible to say, "Thou shall," oh, "Thou shall not steal," and, uh, and "Thou shall not kill," and he goes. It's simply, don't steal my shit and I won't kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's funny because your friend Penn Gillette did our show and he said something that I really loved, which is he's like, uh, I've raped and killed as many people as I want to rape and kill, which is zero. And he goes, and if you you have a number that's greater than zero, you have a problem. Yeah. And it sounds to me like that resonates with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that you shouldn't need rules to tell you to not rape and kill. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, funny, uh, one time I was on a plane, and I was getting on a plane, and I see George Carlin in one of the seats, Mm. and I thought, wow, George Carlin. But I just sat down and didn't say anything. On his lap. And then, yeah, (laughs) and then the flight takes off, and he gets up from his chair, and he looks, and he starts walking toward me. And and I think, oh, my God, he, George Carlin wants to talk to me. And he says, look, I'm going to be uh, writing some stuff and reading, and then I want to get to sleep, so uh, I can't talk to anyone. And then he walks back. So basically, George Carlin told me to go fuck my <laughs> Preemptively. Yes. He yes. was like, I know you're going to want to talk. It was a preemptive yes. strike. But what was really nice was... That's kind of nice, though, in a way. Yeah. Because he did say hello. Yes. And what was great, at the end of the flight, when they announced we're about to land, he came over to me and he handed me a piece of paper with his number on it. And he said, "Uh, next time you're appearing on TV doing a special or whatever, uh, call me so I can watch it. Because I want to see what's going on in that brain of yours. <laughs> and that was great. And That's did you, amazing. Well, the yeah, number. T- did you call him? No. I, yeah. I never. Dialed uh, 411. I, I just never. Three called. numbers that I got but never called uh, George Carlin, uh, Jonathan Winters, Rodney Allen Rippey. Yeah, and Rodney uh, Allen Rippey. And the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want him in my life. <laughs> I lost that piece of paper. I would tell someone who he is. I thought, I'm in enough trouble with the tsunami joke. <laughs> I don't I need, don't need I a don't serial need killer. Yes, no, thank you. Right, it's too much. <laughs> and you know what? Who I was the third one? Oh, no- Norman Fell. Uh, oh. He was when I worked with him once. 
on a sketch at the, at the Ben Stiller show. I'll tell you a George Carlin story, which is Gary Shandling, when he was you know 20 years old or so, uh, went to see George Carlin, and he wrote all these bits for him. Yeah. And he brought them to George Carlin, and George Carlin said that he would read them. He goes, come back yeah. tomorrow, and, and he lived two hours away, so now he had to come back yeah. again, drive home, go back the next day. And when he got to the show afterwards, they were all laid out in his dressing room, uh, and he had read all the jokes and had written on them and told him which jokes he liked wow. and which jokes he didn't. Mm, wow. And then he said, you know, I don't mm. buy jokes, but there's one good joke on every page, and I think if you're interested, you should pursue this. Wow. And, uh, and Gary said, what about the other jokes? <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was before he got big as yeah. the, uh, you know, that was in transition from yeah. the suit to uh, the more uh, hippie thing. But then I found a letter that Gary wrote to George thanking him Years, ten years later, when he was a comic, that I don't think he ever sent. Yeah. That was this beautiful letter where he he said how much he looked up to him and and you know how important that moment was. And also, I plan and to sleep on the flight. Please leave. Me oh alone. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the other person who I found out was a th- oh, uh, his daughter invited me. They were naming the street after him that he grew oh, yeah. up. Kelly. And and I went up there. And I started doing a whole bit about how George Carlin was never funny, and I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> and she and and uh, Carlin's brother both came up to me and said, "That's exactly what George would have wanted." Yeah, oh, yeah that that, that, that question about decency and just being a good guy—that's a big part of the movie. Like when I met Gilbert, he would do this really, I don't know how long it was, but he would walk to the Lower East Side to visit one sister and over to the West Village to visit another and then home to be with the family. What's been great about the response to this movie is that most people want that other side to be scary and dark, like with mm. comics are supposed to be scary people, but people are like overjoyed that he's actually a good mm. guy and mm. like a sincere person. Like oh, That's been that. really great. That reception has been really good to see. You're the opposite of uh, Buddy Hackett. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Buddy Hackett. <laughs> Because, t- you know, he was known as a major league prick. And he was he was there in Vegas talking to somebody. And this young guy comes over and goes, Oh, uh, Mr. Hackett, I'm, 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 I'm really sorry for bothering you, but I just got a job at, at one of the casinos and, and um, I'm nervous about it to be playing Vegas. And, and Buddy Hackett goes... Oh yeah, I I saw you last night, and I I got one bit of advice. Uh, what you should do is just say the jokes. Don't do any delivery. Make it like you're reading it off a piece of paper. Don't do any delivery at all. And he goes, and the guy's a little confused, and he goes, okay. All right, I'll try that. And he walks away. And Buddy Hackett turns to the other guy and goes, Oh, he's going to bomb so bad. (laughs) Oh, my God. I remember there was a, a comedy <laughs> there was a comedy competition and Buddy Hackett was judging the finals at the San Diego Improv and then uh, or, or no maybe it was in one of the LA Improvs and everyone performs and then he's supposed to vote and he takes his his uh, his ballot and he tears it up he goes I didn't vote for anyone they were all fucking awful oh god <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow oh my my favorite 
Buddy Hackett moment in a film. Did did you you see Bud and Lou? That was a oh. TV movie about the life of Abbott and Costello. And uh, it was Harvey Keitel, Harvey Keitel, Harvey Corman mm. as Bud Abbott and Buddy Hackett as Lou Costello. And, you know, both of these guys are tremendously talented, but doing the Abbott and Costello bits, they were they sounded like they never heard of Abbott and Costello. <laughs> but there's one moment where Buddy Hackett is in the hospital and he's deathly ill. And Artie Johnson uh, shows up. Artie Johnson's the one from Laugh and he went, very interesting. <laughs> and he shows up as their agent. And, and he... He reaches under his jacket and hands him a cup, and he goes, I got you a strawberry malted. And Buddy Hackett very weakly holds it and takes a sip, and he goes, you know, I think I've had a lot of strawberry maltage in my day, but this one's the Best. And his head goes off to the side and he dies. <laughs> no. My favorite death scene. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, but another person who, aside from Carlin, who I found out was a fan that amazed me hmm. beyond belief. Because, first of all, I'm amazed that people I watch on TV and movies. Also watch TV and movies. Right. Like, I, you hear Eddie Murphy watches everything. Yeah. Like, Eddie Murphy knows who Mike Birbiglia is. I, oh, I just yeah. I think that's fun. And I was... <clears throat> I had a small part in this awful film called Another You. And it, it was going to be the last of the Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor comedies. Mm. And it was terrible. <laughs> and uh, the, he was being directed by Peter Bogdanovich. They fired him. And then they fired me and a bunch of the other cast. And everything was... But George... Uh, not George. Uh, uh, Richard Pryor came up to me excited to see me there. Huh. And he was like... He would see me every day. He would come over to me. He knew my career better than I did. This is incredible. He named stuff that I didn't remember doing. <laughs> and he would go, oh, you are so funny. You are super funny. You're one of those people that if you don't want to be funny, you're still going to be funny. <laughs> and wow. I, that was amazing. He wow. got... Carlin, yeah. Carlin, and Pryor, and you're bumping Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> it's, been, it's been quite a ride. What, 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 what does Steve Martin think of you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> boring. <laughs> Let us know when Steve texts you. And me and Buster Keaton yeah. were the best of friends. He said, <laughs> "Silent Film." Let me ask about Andy Kaufman for one second because he was just starting. Yeah. In the clubs in those days, did you hang out with him at all? Uh, no. Him? Did you hang out with anybody? No. <laughs> I didn't get to know. He was already yeah. get, uh, known. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, I'd see him around yeah. there. But 
you know, I didn't know mm. how to talk to him or why. I thought it was Elvis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think it was great when you watched it? The what? one thing I remember uh, laughing at is he went on stage and started singing a hundred bottles of beer on the wall. <laughs> And then it keeps going and keeps until he gets to one. And he did the entire hundred bottles and the audience is pissed off. And and I thought that was really funny. I heard that he would do it and they'd be they'd laugh at the first twenty. And then for like forty, they're getting more irritated. So finally, they're furious. People are walking out. And then when he gets to about like thirty-five, <laughs> the place starts fucking cheering. Yeah. And then when he gets to one, the place is exploded. Wow. But they made it. And then he starts it all over again. <laughs> and then the joke would be in concert how far he would go the second time. Wow, that's my bet. <laughs> <laughs> he stole my bet. <laughs> I do it with wheels on the bus. Um, so straight atheist. The what? Are you an atheist? Straight atheist? Uh, I guess so, yeah. Your sister passed. Do you feel, do you still talk to her? Any connection to her? Oh, yeah. That I still do. Yeah. Uh, well, I when my mother died, I remember coming back from the funeral and people had sent boxes of fruit. Donuts that I had to wrap donuts. up and yeah, share. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the death of my mother was one thing. Yeah. How am I going to get these donuts <laughs> to Manhattan? <laughs> and I remember uh, talking to my mother mm. oh, oh, after she's buried and, and going, oh, the, no, the funeral went really well. People sent some nice gift boxes mm. And uh, now I find myself talking to my sister, mm. saying, oh, you know, someone, you got a nice article about mm. after you died. It was really a beautiful article. So you still feel that connection. Yeah. But, but I don't believe, you know, I don't believe you can, uh, you know, who, who is it? All those people who talk to the dead. Oh, mediums and whatnot. Yeah, we yeah. haven't we haven't talked about it at all, you and I. But um, you know, that, it is a big part of the story. Her, her chemotherapy and her cancer in the mm. movie—it's a big part of the storyline. And we haven't even talked about like we just watched it today doing the commentary. Is that what do you what do you feel when you see that those her talking to the camera and in the same room with her? Yeah, I, I see because I'd visit her when she was getting chemotherapy, and I think that's one of those things. Well, in movies in general. I'll watch a movie I was in, and I'll go, oh, yeah, that scene I remember, <clears throat> the lunch I had was mm. really bad. Mm. Or that scene I had a headache. And or I took those chopsticks home. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> 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 with them. <laughs> While he's watching the movie. Wait a minute. And I said, is anyone using these movie cameras? <laughs> <laughs> And when I watch those scenes in the clinic, I'm going, God, I remember what the clinic smelled like, what mm. it looked like, mm. what it sounded like. Mm. And, you know, it's funny because my, my sister did a photo book called Mommy, which is about my mother. And a lot of it's in the hospital and everything. And this is funny because it has to do with religion. They say, you know... There, there are no atheists in the foxhole. Mm -hmm. And they say the truth of the matter is when these soldiers who are wounded, mm. 
and dying or just badly wounded and there's guns all around them, uh, they don't find them screaming for God. They find them screaming mommy. Mm. So they, they want their mothers. Well, that's a Freudian thing, too. Is yeah. Like the idea of putting your hands up to God. Yeah. Is like a child wanting to be picked up. There's a yes. Lot of, there's a lot of crossover between mom and dad and God. Heavenly Father, Divine, oh, yes. divine Mother, all that sort of stuff. But um, you talk to your sister and your mother, but... Is it for you then, or do you th- or do you not think about it too much? You're just doing it, or, or yeah, do you think I, you're, I, I don't, do you think they're somewhere? I don't do it on purpose. Yeah, I just find myself doing it. Right, and but I don't believe they could hear it. I see. Like I, I. So you think dead over? Yeah, I'm not booked on that show with that teenage, that effeminate teenage. <laughs> Long Island Medium. Death. The best part about that show is. He, they don't tell him who he's going to read, and most of the time he walks in and he doesn't recognize the person <laughs> at all. And, and the, if you watch carefully, what show is this? It's called uh, Tyler Henry. Uh, yeah, the guy's uh, like fourteen. Yeah, he's like a young guy, and I he could it. speak yeah. to the dead. Uh, but he, but there's always a moment where you could see the celebrity is bummed when they realize he has not only doesn't know who they are, doesn't. I've seen anything they've ever oh, done. That's so sometimes, sometimes they're like, "Yeah, I mean, I was on this show." Alec Baldwin, <laughs> thank you for talking to my dead relatives, but you haven't seen Thirty Rock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want anybody reading my palm that doesn't have pubes. That's just me. And <laughs> you, you know what? I I remembered a bit that um, I was at some comedy festival, and Martin Mull. And Fred Willard were doing their, uh, what's that TV show? that? Uh, oh, uh, Fernwood Tonight. Fernwood Tonight. They were acting it up on stage. And I was asked, would I be their guest celebrity? Mm. And, and they did a bit where they said, okay, we're going to put on our blindfolds now. And we got to guess who our next celebrity is. And they were asking me all these questions like, have you been in movies? And, uh, and, and then they go, oh, well, we give up. And they take their blindfolds off and look at me and go, have you ever been on TV? <laughs> that is everything. That is divine. That was to you. It happened to yes, you. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Fred Willard, I saw him on a celebrity ghost show where he talked about a ghost haunting his house for a long time. Like a benevolent oh, ghost. They used to sit in a rocking chair. No ghosts for you? Do you, I, do do you, you believe? Know, well, I did. One reality show I did was like, so you know, celebrity ghost hunters or yeah, something. Yeah, we oh they had us in a in a, an old uh, mental hospital <laughs> where supposedly this serial killer is still wandering the halls, mm. and uh, we had these ghost packs. Which one was a thing was a thermometer because of course if one part of the room is a degree or two higher or lower than the other part. And, you know, uh, abandoned insane asylums are known for their temperature control. (laughs) (laughs) So they must be a ghost. But the best part, and it wasn't a joke, uh, you know how, like, in Ghost, uh, he, uh, 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 Kevin... uh, Swayze. Yeah, Swayze 
has to enter Whoopi Goldberg's body and speak through her. And then he can hug uh, Demi Moore. Yeah. And so they, they were doing that. I know what it's like to have boobs. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they were doing that. But the person who had to be entered was former porn star Tracy Lords. Oh, boy. And we're standing around these candles, and she is chanting, seriously, come in me, come in me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I thought... All of you, come in me. And I thought, this this sounds very well rehearsed. Fill me up. (laughs) Um, Well, Gilbert, we always ask, uh, I feel wonderful about this. People are going to definitely see the documentary. Not me. But um, just kidding, I'm going to see it. Where can you see the documentary? Probably (laughs) iTunes, I'm imagining. Nope. Yes, eventually. But first, November 3rd at IFC Center on 6th Street in Manhattan. Uh, 6th Avenue, sorry. We're going to open up there. Ira Glass is going to host all our Q&As. Heck one. So, yeah. And in in the next week on November 10th at at the Lemley Fine Art uh, in Los Angeles. Thank you. Uh, well, that's wonderful. And then by the time I release this, because I'll probably sit on it for a few months, iTunes. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I'm telling you, you got afternoon feed. I always do this podcast in the morning. And for some reason, I'm so bunchy this in the afternoons. Um, and the documentaries, Gilbert, and get ready to cut this no, out. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. And the final question we always ask is, Gilbert do you remember uh, the hardest time you've laughed in your life? Oh, jeez. Or one of them. Mm, it must have been at some tragedy. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be the first guest to be like, well. The movie does end on the hardest laugh we got in 500 hours of footage. She was t- telling me about how when you go into his asshole for a, col- a colonoscopy, there's a mater d. And the mater d is played by Fritz Feld. And I, we put the whole laugh in there. Like It's a 30-second laugh. Oh, my him God. Just laughing at well, you're himself. a great laugher. I mean, mater d up your own butt or not. Is there a memory from your childhood or... or uh... Oh, I remember a few times laughing. I don't remember the hardest. Just any anyone yeah. that comes to Something mind. Something Alan Thicke said on the set. <laughs> did, did you ever make your father laugh? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And this is something that gets me... Um, I, I notice that um, all of the... How many perform... How many comedians... Like, um, uh, let's see. Oh, well, uh, Gene Wilder and Jan Murray and Jackie Gleason all told stories about how their mothers were very sick when they were little kids. Mm. And they would go out to the movies or to a vaudeville show and go back and try to make their mother laugh. The original piracy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a serious crime. <laughs> and and yeah. so so yeah. Wow. Would you do that for your mom or your dad? Is oh, that yeah. What yeah. And you would get your dad to laugh. I mean a good dad laugh. Oh yeah. If I can make my father yeah. laugh, it makes my week. Yeah. And I, I can only do it doing an impression of him. 
it, it has wow. to be that specifically about him. And when I figured that out, I was like, I got the formula. Oh, wow. I just go, Peter, I got to call Johnny Biagioni about the flasher. And, and he starts dying laughing because it feels so good to be seen. That kind of goes back oh, to what we yeah. were saying about our dark sides being uh, lit up by jokes and all that sort and, of stuff. And it's funny. My father never saw any of my success. Yeah. Uh, and I heard uh, Paul Newman's father died before seeing, and like Paul Newman is this a film legend. Yeah, there's no one bigger. Yeah, and his father never saw any of that. Mm. Shit, or the cookies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or you could have the the opposite problem, which is my dad, who always uh, like when he gives me a compliment, it's always like an insult. Oh yeah, okay. it's always like okay. like I'll have a new movie and he'll go. This one I liked. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Did I tell you what I, I? So I got to open for Chappelle at uh, Radio City Music Hall. I come home. I'm not even in a rush to tell them. He's just like, Peter, what's been going on, son? And I go, Well, uh, you know, I got to do Radio City Music Hall uh, with uh, with Dave Chappelle. And he goes, Carnegie Hall or bust. <laughs> That's what he said. He's very wow. funny, but at the same time, it's like, and your dad's always like, must yeah. be nice making movies with yeah, your friends. Yeah. Yeah, I, you're very lucky that uh, things have worked out for you. Do the thing about how your dad was in Florida, and you're like, you got to get out of there, I the flood. To, I was trying to get my dad out of town, because <laughs> the hurricane was coming hurricane. straight towards where he lives. And I would be like, Dad, you got to get out of there. Kids, leave now. He's like. What'll we do with the dog? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'll, you just get an airplane. I'll, 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 I'll book a flight for you on United Airlines. He doesn't like being underneath. <laughs> it took like eight hours to get him to Tell him about the grocery store. You're like, Dad, go to the grocery store. Oh, oh, yeah. Store. I go, Dad, did you get water? Do you have any supplies? What do you have? They had no water, so we got two bottles of seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of the hardest times I've ever left was this podcast. I, I want to thank you so much for oh, doing thank it. Thank you. And uh, people listen to your podcast, see the movie. Thank, thank you also you. for being a part of this. Judd, thank you. My what have pleasure. we done? We've done Norman Lear, Artie yeah. Lang, Gilbert Gottfried. I'm honored. Yeah, I got a Netflix special in December. Yes, please. It promote. was my turn. We, we could cut that out. <laughs> It's called Judd Apatow, The Return. Yes, yes. Which is amazing. I, I've already seen it. It's incredible. <laughs> Gilbert, this is an honor because you have such a recognizable voice. We always have the guests say the catchphrase. Okay. Uh, will you guys do it as well? We'll go around. Forgive me your name again. Neil Berkeley. Neil, you came it's in late. It's very late for you to ask that. I know. <laughs> yes. I it was, had to own it. Was it. A, it was it's in the, the credits. of the movie you didn't bother <laughs> watching. Know. Neil, would you say keep it crispy? Keep it crispy. Judd? Keep it crispy. Gilbert? Keep it crispy. <laughs> what an honor. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 